Hi, Hi Candle, Candle Coven. Coven. I'm Elena. And I'm Jocelyn. And this is the Candle Coven Podcast. Let's light some candles, get cozy, and talk at it. So, first and foremost, there's something I really need to talk to you about. Okay. That's exciting. I've been thinking a lot about reintegrating into society. Oh. <laughs> As we are, a lot of people are getting vaccinated. We're half-vaxxed. Half-vaxxed. Yeah. Can I get a half-vaxxed extra <laughs> shot of espresso, please? Venti <laughs> Um, And we did... As luck would have it, get the Moderna Dolly Parton vaccine, which I just felt like needed to happen. Was it luck or did we specifically choose it? Well, I was trying to find it, but at the end of the day, I'll take whatever I can get. But it just so happened that we found Moderna available to us. Vaccine. 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 I'm begging of you. Come help my DNA. (laughs) mRNA. (laughs) I didn't get that snatched waist, though, that I thought I would get from the vaccine. No, but you know what? My boobs are still humongous. So that's that did. That promise stayed there. Um, So, yeah, what I wanted to address was like reintegrating into society Uh and like things that are obvious is like I have to switch my entire underwear wardrobe into underwear that I can wear under clothes that are for outside. So living up to the name underwear. Right. So like I have underwear. What was happening before? So what happened was I I talk about underwear a lot. I mean, it's I feel like it's like if we're going to do a scan of your brain, I would say it's about 25 percent. I'm. I have like underwear as I've realized as I've gotten older since my whole life I've had like sensory issues with like we've talked about the socks we've talked about you know I'm Mm -hmm. very particular about how seams hit me and all of that Mm -hmm. but I have different underwear that needs to go under different kinds of clothes like looser clothes can have looser underwear but you can't have loose underwear under tight clothes otherwise it bunches up and feels very uncomfortable like well how do guys wear boxers that's like not a proper I don't understand how to wear a loose boxer you have to be wearing jinkos you could only wear a jinko and even then wouldn't you want the support Right? I don't understand how I outside genitals work. I only either. have I have inside ones, so I don't understand it. Yeah, I like it. mine packed up and still away. I like mine. In, I like mine fully under the seat for takeoff. Yeah, but <laughs> I have started to transition into some of my tighter underwear, and they're mm-hmm. not uncomfortable. I actually really like them. Yeah, they're cute. Thank you. Oh my god, thanks. <laughs> but like, I have been mindfully like being like, okay, start to wear regular clothes, see how it feels on the body. Here's the thing, though. Do you even know what you want to be wearing? Not a clue. Not a clue. I have what I'm no be idea. This entire year, 2021 in particular, has been an exercise in living in the gray area. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether I'm coming or going, whether I'm Molly's already upset, already upset. Into, uh, you Why? Because I'm focusing on something except for you. <laughs> Hi. OK, she's on. She's on the recording couch. She's ready to go. Now go a seep. Be a good girl. (laughs) Um, Anyways, back to what I was saying. Back to this riveting conversation about pants and underwear. Um, Pants. Right. Pants and trousers. You know what's something I have not figured out in my 30s? Shorts. Uh Uh-huh. Because, like, I do love a bike short. I have a very narrow waist, and I don't like when my thighs touch. Yeah. I mean, like, a narrow hip, so my, like, legs... I don't have, like, a thigh gap, even if I'm 
like thinner or not that it uh, matters but uh-huh. like i just don't have one yeah shorts it can be very like a lot of energy in that area mm-hmm. and i think I, shorts um you know i have a really hit and miss hit, love and hate relationship with shorts i feel like you have the same thing with me with shorts you're not you haven't found your short i mean you know i have those zuba shorts that i like i feel like shorts are just like so casual right that like you kind of just do whatever you want that's like where i'm at with shorts that's I think that's what my thing is, is it has to be a casual situation. Like yeah. they do do a dressy or short, but it's just, I don't think I'm doing a dressy short. No, I don't think a dressy, sh- it's an oxymoron. Right. Some people can pull off a dressy Shorts short. Shorts are disrespectful. <laughs> Thank you. I, you had to say it. I couldn't be the one to say it. They're, they're rough. But then it gets to a point where we're not even there yet, but I know it's going to be so friggin' hot that yeah. I'm going to be like, Give me, I like a bike short. It lifts, it separates, yeah, but it can't be too yeah. tight because otherwise you get too, anyways, you guys know how bodies work. But the bigger issue about reintegrating into society that I have not addressed is that I am no longer potty trained. Oh, I didn't even think about this. I am not potty trained. Should we invest in some like De- Lisa Rinna Depends? It's not even like that, Elena. It's just that like, when you are kind of on more of a schedule or you need to be out in public at like a restaurant or a friend's house yeah. or whatever, you hold your water and then yeah. you, and then when you're ready to go, you go. But like I have had such free access to the bathroom. Yeah. I don't have to a, do anything, anything. Ones and twos, threes and fours, mm-hmm. whatever that might be. I can do it whenever I want. And I do. I do it a mm, lot. Freely. Openly. Freely. Lots of tinkles, lots of tookles. <laughs> beeps and boops, bobs and beeps. <laughs> At any given moment, I can do that. And so when we do venture away from the home, I am scared to be away from any sort of a toilet. Do yeah, we, I need we went help? Like on, I, even like on like an hour long drive, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We can't be the only people that this has happened to. Should I bring like a roll of toilet paper with me everywhere I go now? I don't know. Just like, in case. I can't. We, we've always pretty much worked from home for Bijou. We haven't worked in an office setting in a minute. Like or in a public in an setting. office is like purgatory. It's I always have this awful. thing too that you should always have like a pair of poop shoes at the office. Like a really nondescript pair of shoes that you could put on before you go and do your business. Like if it was like a public bathroom ty- style, yeah. like a stall style. Yeah, so, you so like before you go shoes. destroy the bathroom. Mm. Yeah, decoy shoes. It's like a disguise. Mm. And it can and it should be something extremely nondescript. Which is I don't know, it depends on where you work. I know because like sometimes they're going people might get savvy on your poop shoe choice. Uh. Like if you if you work at like a, a millennial brand, I would maybe bring like a Nike Air Force 1. A Vans. Like a slip-on? No, or like, yeah, I guess for ease. But you'd have to do something, like you couldn't do a checkerboard because that's way too noticeable. No, it's gotta be solid. Honestly. I'm gonna get a custom one that's like my poop shoes with like poop emojis on them. (laughs) I feel like in Japan they've already figured this out. Oh, yeah. They have like a lot of good decoy Japanese people like go into space to poop. It's like, I, me too. Can I? I'd love to. Yeah, they like have little tiny rocket ships that they go in (laughs) throughout the day. Right above the atmosphere, and they float, and their poops just like floating around. That's I feel like that's probably how nature intended it. Yeah, it's so smart. Ancient aliens, am I right? Oh, don't don't make me sing. <laughs> but like, those are my biggest takeaways so far. Is like, okay, I will have to like put 
makeup on, I guess. That's like not necessity. As long, I'm re- doing really good with SPF. SPF has been worn yeah. every day yeah. in, this, in the QT. But I can't do my hair all the time. I can't do my makeup. I can hardly wear any restrictive clothing. And I am not potty trained. So these are the things I'm going to have to deal with. And I'm, I'm not sure I can do it. We should sell like reintegration classes or something. Not that I know how to teach it, but like yeah, I can can't sell it because I'm not. I don't have the goods. Can someone do that? Somebody tell us how to do it. Can you imagine if you had to go back into? And my heart goes out to these people that would have to go back full time to an office. First of all, can offices get with it? Yeah, I feel like no that's one wants really to work stupid. from your office. They want the option. But they There's don't like want all these to do surveys it. that are like people are like a hundred percent of workers are willing to work from home. It is like that high. Yeah. Yes. So so maybe save maybe cut the some costs. Red costs yeah. <laughs> and like let us continue to be not potty trained. Right. How did I used to go out and like drink alcohol and like hold my water? Oh my god! I used to like <laughs> pee and maybe poop sometimes, like in the worst bathrooms. <laughs> absolutely. Where where I would have to like hold on to something in order to like not t- touch the toilet seat. <laughs> There has like, been some like, dive like, bars. Carabiner yes. onto, like the ceiling. <laughs> you go in there and you like sort of what's it called? Repel. Yeah, spelunking. Is it called? Sp- is it spelunking? Spelunking. Spelunking. Is spelunking Comment into below. a cave? Yeah. What is it when you go down? Is it like you repel down a mountain? Yeah, that's a thing too. I don't know. If Whatever Tom Cruise does. I don't know what the words are there, but somebody knows. Whatever Tom Cruise did in Mission Impossible Three. That's called Scientology, honey. <laughs> <sighs> get my he, he has no thetans. Thetan levels. So he has doesn't experience gravity the same way that we do. Fair enough. Is that why he's so little? <laughs> <laughs> I am also little. He's so little. And I experience gravity. It's it's um what is it? What are we doing now? We just read this article in the New York Times that we are everyone in the pandemic, in the quarantine, at this point in the game. We are not either you're fully depressed, which has happened. I've I've touched in and out of depression, anxiety. We've, I've been there and I still sometimes visit. But the overarching theme is somewhere in between like feeling good and feeling despair. And it's yeah. called languishing. Or as I like to call it, linguisa. <laughs> Linguise. <laughs> I'm Sh- deep in the linguise. Sharice. Yeah. Sharice. Pursuit. <laughs> I don't Linguise. know that we do prosciutto in no, yeah. Portuguese. No, what is it? Linguiça. Sh- and linguiça, yeah. But chorizo, but we say chorizo. In case anyone was wondering, Jocelyn has Portuguese roots. <laughs> just my, just the roots, though. Just the roots. <laughs> yeah, my Not gra- the ends. My grandfather uh, is a Zorian from Açores mm. in Portugal. Portugal. <laughs> Portuguese. I don't know any Portuguese at all. But anyways, that's uh, just the dirty words. Yeah. Is that how anybody knows a language is just the dirty words? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like baby words. You. Which like, are kind of interchangeable. Right. So like you, the Chinese, that the Cantonese that you know, do you even know dirty words or is it just baby words? Because it's like your first language. I don't know like language. adult dirty words because like my mom doesn't even swear in English. Right. So like she's I don't not, think I've ever heard your no, mom like, swear. No, like I remember being a kid and her like being, um, what's it called? Like road rage. Yeah. And she would be like, sugar. I was literally going to say sugar. I've like, heard her say sugar. Can, I'd be like six. I'd be like, just say Say <laughs> You're six in the back and you're like, well, for the love of fucking yeah, God. right? <laughs> but going back to Languise. 
a languishing. You know how I know I'm in languish? Yeah. <laughs> I rage to my heart will go on every single night. Yes. Ritually. Okay, this is actually true. We have been having these moments, I would say in the last, would you say like 60 days or so? Mm-hmm. I don't uh, what are days? I have no see, idea. See, like, even the fact that I said 60 days instead That's of two a long months time. goes to show you that I have no idea what's going on. But, like, where we have hysteria. Moment, like, you guys, like, true moments of absolute hysteria. Yeah. Where you don't know if you want to cry or scream or laugh. But what you do is you do it all at once. Yeah. And it actually feels really good because your body, the body doesn't know. Yeah. The body can't tell if you are having like, I thought I was going to have a panic attack the other day because I went to Target with Elena to pick up some, you know, bits and bobs. And we left Molly at home for like an hour. And like, we have not been away from Molly in a super long time. Mm -hmm. I started to have like sort of this like agoraphobic panic attack. And what I decided to do was just, like, laugh instead. Yeah. And I basically laughed so hard and, and like, tears came out of my eyes. And I felt good after. It was funny. I was like, oh, my God! <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, if you just trick your brain. You had a full-on Diane Keaton moment. It was, I understand Diane Keaton way better yeah. now that I've been in a, in a pandemic for over a year. Yeah. So that's the biggest takeaway from 2020 through 21 is that I now understand Diane's Keaton's acting choices, which is, is it acting is what well, is it? It feels very real. It feels real. And it's just like, ah, ah. like, you know, like in First Wives Club, she's like screaming. Uh-huh. And then Brenda's who's Bet Bet Midler is uh, like also like, God damn it. She's yeah. mad. And then, you know, Elliot, what's her name? Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn's character is literally like. I'm an actress. I have all of them. She's drunk. Like, these are the three stages of the pandemic. Uh-huh. They are the holy trinity of Pandy. Right. There's, there is a character in every one of these types of movies, like a Nancy Myers movie, The First Wives Club, that one can identify with during the Pandy. Yeah. There's, like, a thesis that could be written about this. Right. The Pandy. The Pandy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we've got, I don't know how, I think that going back into society is going to be very different. I love calling it society as if I had to do like a coming out ball. Maybe we actually need to do a coming out ball for all huh. of us. I'm not trying to be in a crowd anytime soon. I'm just going to dip my toes in. Mm. Yes. I'll so go to like a gathering a, with like two people and then probably come home and like cry about it or something. Right. And you'll consider canceling. Mm-hmm. There's some social, there's some social implications. Like, I don't know how I'm ever going to go to a restaurant again. Like, I can't believe people are going to restaurants. That's like crazy I, we to haven't, me. You got, we have not gone to a restaurant. I just haven't felt comfortable. Like, being in a room with people without masks on is like insane to me. It's really scary. I don't know. I just can't do it. And I think this, maybe this is like, because we're in the Northeast, we were first and early adopters of like hardcore masks. I mean, we and double we masks. City. Yeah. We wear two masks. It's just like so contagious and crazy. Like we were, we were scared. Mm-hmm. And like I think, yeah, there's a lot of PTSD going on. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to get back to basics, and I don't think it will ever be the same again. And that's fine because, like, was it even good? You know what? Probably <laughs> not because this was allowed to happen. And I know. It I think it pulled the wool back. You know, in a way, the curtain, curtain. Yeah, yeah, in a way. This pandemic has maybe made things a lot better that needed to be better. Like, we've been forced to be like, okay, how do we make this more efficient? How do we do this? Like, there's some things that I think have been improved. Yeah. 
But Definitely. I don't know that we can go, quote unquote, back to how it was because we're not the same people. Yeah. And like our generation is going to be very interesting as yeah. we get older. Age of Aquarius, baby. <laughs> we're in it. Right? Like, can you imagine? Like, you know, when you talk about like, oh, the greatest generation, they are, you know, they were the depression babies. So they're really good about saving or like squirreling money away. Uh-huh. Like, what are they going to say about the millennials? And then even the poor Gen Z's who like ha- couldn't go to college right away or like had right. to miss school. I don't even know what is going to happen to those poor kids. I mean, it's I can't imagine. They missed their proms. They missed their this. They missed they're, their that. They missed their this. They, they're just going to be great at coping. You know? Yeah. Like their expectations are probably so low and like. You know, you can't go down from there. Yeah, they they told us that we were going to do great. Right. We're going to make a bunch of money. We were like, they were trying to sell us the goods. We we bought it. No, did we? I I mean, ask everybody with a student loan. I think they bought it. I know, but like, I don't even think that was like fully our decision. No, it wasn't our decision. We were 18 years old. So like our parents continued to buy their own bullshit. I mean. And speaking of the greatest generation, can we please talk about those depression foods that we witnessed. Oh, yes. So we did a deep, deep dive on uh, YouTube recently because we're languishing. And we yeah. have nothing else to do. Languishing is uh, just like anguish, but lazy. It feels like <laughs> I'm in like high school again. Oh, interesting. Like, it feels like the time like before I got my driver's license. Like you're in a holding pattern. Yeah. We're like, I, I don't really have autonomy, but like I'm just trying to like entertain myself in my re- in my bedroom. Yes. That <laughs> makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Which is why I guess sense. I'm going back to Titanic. <laughs> yeah, so the, that, that, to bring it back to that, every night we listen to the Titanic soundtrack and scream. Yeah. And it actually works. So. Like, I'm still, I say this all the time, I'm still devastated by that song. My every time it comes on, I'm just like overwhelmed with emotion. Every time, it, <laughs> every time my heart will come on, my heart... <laughs> My heart will go on. Yeah. Wow. Am I well? Comes on. Elena always says to me, she did it in one take. First take. (laughs) Every time. That's going to be like my old woman thing that I say. (laughs) One take. Yeah. The first take. This is the The demo. demo. It's the demo. (laughs) That's the one. She's She's perfect. Yeah. She good. Celine. You know, like, I know Celine has a treasure trove of hot, like hit songs that we all know. Yes. But there are some Celine Dion bops from like the, the early 90s, yes. 80s that are so incredible. Like that one that's like, money boo Yeah. I don't, Je ne vous pas. Is that what the words are? Je ne vous pas. Nah. It's in French, so I don't know. Do you want to know which one and I then, love? What? My sister and I used to always sing yeah, this one. Okay, I know this one. If you... Ask me to forever if you me to Okay, that There's song is so good. But that's like a hit, is it? I don't think people Second know it tier, as tier well. B. It's tier, it's more like nineties. What do you mean? At the concert? Man. She did. Yeah, she did. My favorite part is when she's like, French Canadian Celine Dion. French Canadian scat. Uh, there's another song called Misled from like one of her early albums that I love from the color of love of my love how's it go it's like kind of it's like a 90s wait no I know it yes it's like poppy it's like dancier yeah um speaking of scatting what was it oh yeah you know the song Freak on a Leash by Korn yeah what 
is that is that words or is that like some sort of scatting that like it's is scatting. like scatting and like what what is that is it the same scatting that is uh like i feel like that's like a power punch intro you know like um and also to throw this in there Bon Jovi, It's My Life. Wow, wow, wow. With that, like, tube thing. <laughs> Is that the tube thing? Yeah, that's, like, the computer mm, love thing. Yeah. You um, put it in your That mouth. was an interesting the choice, I thought. Straw? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, to go back, I think it is, like, a juggalo scat. <laughs> a juggalo scat. And, like, the, the ba- like, it's, like, based on the bass line. I don't know. And Ibanez bass. <laughs> I don't know. I just was like, we just accepted that. We were watching old episodes of TRL recently, too, because, again, we're languishing. Yeah. And I was, like, looking at the lineup of the songs, and we were quite an eclectic group of yeah, folks. Like, who was calling in TRL and voting for corn? Like, it was like... Who was doing that? It was like, number three, Backstreet Boys. Number two, Corn Freak on a Leash. And number one, Britney Spears. Yeah. I was like, what a crew of people like you don't think that the people that like corn are like watching trl they are we were like who we was all, it i don't because like corn's not good don't i mean there might be some corn heads out there i don't know i don't think they stand through. by it you know because like they would have they would have had some sort of comeback corn is not personally for me and that's fine. It could be someone else's thing, but mm. I don't, I personally don't get it. I'm just going to just be, say that as nicely as I can, because, you know, they, like I said, there's some stuff that I like that shouldn't be talked about. Like everything I like is very questionable. But I think at the end of the day, <laughs> the things that you like are generally good. I really appreciate that. Like corn, I don't know what leg it has to stand on. Yeah, I'm not sure. I And you know what? I don't know enough of the catalog, but yeah, I'm not. Yeah. It was like. Corn, and then we also had a lot of um, Limp Biscuit going on at Limp that Biscuit. time. Mm-hmm. Limp Biscuit, I get, is more of like a cultural. It was like a time slot for that, and like he did like the Faith remix, which I kind of yeah, like I think they were the, popular because of him. Not a remix, but a cover, yeah. which I do really think is like really interesting. I guess I'm telling you that backwards red Yankees hat is like what made him famous. Yeah, I you mean, have, you have to have a it's look called at branding, honey. Yeah, he look got it that up. brand down. Fred Durst. And just like to neg Christina Aguilera for decades, what I guess. What was that about? See, I don't like that. That's what's the, the stuff, What's the real story there? I don't like, and didn't also, Eminem. What, didn't Eminem come after Christina Aguilera and, as Yeah, well? and like Mariah Carey, which is and, why she's so funny about him now. Yes. Anytime she gets asked about Eminem, she's like, I like the blue ones or something like hilarious. Oh, yeah. I just like don't understand why guys well i do understand why but i like, mean why why is part of your celebrity taking down female pop stars i know ask justin timberlake freaking cut it out can we all just like agree that justin timberlake is a raging narcissist already i think, like, I come think on. so it's i absolutely just, think like, he is i really and truly do Hello. i do yeah he's a although we did much. we did watch that performance of him and britney Oh, also something Mouse else Club. we watched was old episodes of Mickey Mouse Club, which were great. They were great. And I was like, can't they just make it work? I know. <laughs> Brittany and Justin were, they were so cute together. Yeah. She deserved better than that. It's a compact. Yeah. Gold. Yeah, it was. It absolutely was. Yeah. What were they even singing? She was like singing with her little like, I don't care. I know. Voice that, that she had. It's such a funny voice for like a little girl. <laughs> It's so funny. I like it for her. Yeah, me too. God. 
free Britney. Free Britney. None of us are free until Britney is free. That's true. So I will not potty train myself. I will not learn how to wear tight underwear again until Britney Spears is free. I am not free mm-hmm. until Britney Spears I is like that. free. And um, also, what a great excuse to be like, I'm not ready to do social things. Because Britney Spears. Because Britney Spears is not able to do social things. That's my new excuse. Yeah. It's so funny because I I simultaneously want to do social things and also um, don't. Am don't. I'm I'm scared. I'm scared too. I don't know what I'm scared of. It's just like, it just, it's not like an event that I'm scared of. I'm just like, I have anxiety. Yeah. Like I, I miss people, but I don't know what that means. (laughs) does that make sense yeah like sometimes you're like like for example recently i've been like i miss new york city because we moved just you know outside of new york but i also do not like i've we've been back there for like you know appointments and errands and things like that and i'm like oh like i'm i'm glad i'm still glad that like we you know stepped away for the time i mean i miss new york city when i'm there if that right, makes sense. right. You miss like an old, older. Yeah, I mean, it just like hasn't been what I imagined it to be for like a decade at least. Yeah, it just became like so big boxy. Yeah, and like, like so corporate. You literally and... cannot do anything no. without it being a hassle. Everything is hard, and everything is three hundred dollars. Yeah, like you cannot like literally anything. If you want to go, you know, play basketball, you have to go early early or there's like a bunch of people there like there's always a billion people there doing everything yeah. that's like my biggest thing you're like oh i'm just gonna go sit outside and catch some breeze at the park and then there's 800 bodies yeah i don't like that i know yeah the space the personal space is really important even like walking down the street you can't even like walk down the street anymore it's really hard as a short person i gotta say it's super hard yeah when we first started dating and we would like walk down busy streets together and I saw how much easier it was for you as a tall person to get through. Yeah. I was like, well, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. This is because I'm short, isn't it? I mean, there's definitely <laughs> height privilege in the world. Let's be honest. Height privilege is a thing. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I literally have to crawl around our countertops to get things. I have like a special clamp. What's it called? Tongs yeah. that I use to get things from the top shelves. Um. When I was a little kid, I had, like, a little step stool at my grandmother's house, uh-huh. which then I also grew up in. But um, that was for, like, brushing your teeth, like, standing up in the sink. Uh-huh. And, like, I just remember, like, pushing that thing all over the place so I could stand up. Well, and my precious. sister and I used to climb the kitchen countertops to get stuff. We were, like, acrobats. Because <laughs> we're both, well, not, she's a bit taller than me now, but we were both short. And so we would just, like, climb up the counters to get things on the top shelf. Yeah. Get your spelunking no, gear. No problem. <laughs> I know, right? I was spelunking. Is it spur or spa? Not sure. Comment below. Yeah. Um, Wait, should we light the candle? Because you know how I get. Yeah. Okay. So today's candle is, obviously, it goes with Elena's Deep Dive. It's Betty Rosenberry's, mm-hmm. named after and inspired by the incomparable Betty Davis. Yeah. And this one was out of stock for like a hot minute. And it's back. I'm so happy because my personal stash yeah. depleted. And I was very upset. The um, Starless collection is kind of just like the core scent yes. like collection. It was the first seven scents that we designed. Yeah. Let me tell you about Betty Rosenberries. Muddled summer berries and sweet black currant draw you in. The lingering scent of freshly cut roses leaves you longing for more. 
scent vibes, garden parties, pictures of sangria, a sunrise. Okay, here are the top notes. Black currant and blackberry. Mmm! Rose hips and geranium at the heart. And at the base, smoky woods and sage. Also, I do want to mention because we get this question sometimes. Um, as far as sage, white sage, and palo santo in our fragrances, mm-hmm. we make accords. So no unethical harvesting of white sage or palo santo occurs. Yeah. Everything is ethically sourced or they're made up of scent accords, which means they're scent blends. So To mimic It mimics smell. it and it still keeps it cruelty-free, vegan, and luxury level. So... Just wanted to put that PSA in there as well. Nice. Um, but yeah, I miss this candle so much. Yeah, it's a great one. If you haven't smelled like a combination of like a deep, deep berry, like a muddled, like tangy berry, uh-huh. and then like the soft rose petal, the combination is truly unmatched. Delicious. They're meant to go together. Okay, I'm going to light it. <laughs> Also, I have to say one of the bigger notes that comes across in Betty is the geranium. And geranium is such a under, like, appreciated scent note. Yeah. Because it's, it's one of those ones that it's like, I can't get enough of it. I want to, like, put it in my mouth. Yeah. But, like, you know you shouldn't. Please don't. <laughs> All right. Nice. Mm. Wonderful. I know. Doesn't it feel better in here already? Yeah. I can feel all the negative energy just being eaten up by the flame of the candle. An eternal flame. I always wanted to do like a candle of the day song every week. But because we did such a good one up at the top, which is, is this the candle of the week? Wow, yeah. I can only think of that. And so that's the song. It's the candle of the week done in the style of Lame is a Rob. It's Lame is. Castle on a Cloud. Yeah. It's Jean Michel, Schoenberg, and Alain Boubil. Jean Michel Schoenberg. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite videos of all time that they're in is the Leia Salonga video where they discover her in the Philippines. Right. They were doing casting for Miss Saigon, Miss Saigon and they had gone to the Philippines. Ugh, and she's just like a little schoolgirl. She was super young, yeah. And they... She's like 17, 16 or 17 in high school. Ugh. They did like a cast, like an open call, and she came in, and yeah. she was Leia Salonga. You are and they're all like, <gasps> we found her. He's like, M is Bicycles of Fortune. Yeah. <laughs> bicycles of Fortune. And she's like, okay. Like, uh, such a good video. If you guys haven't seen the video of Leia Salonga's audition, it's really good. For all you musical theater nerds out there, it's a good one. I feel like I cry watching that one. I do. Usually. I love Leia Salonga. Yeah, she's so good. She's so precious. Oh, I made me think of her because she does like an incredible Les Mis. She's Jasmine. Yeah. And, and also Mulan. And Mulan. The, not the Christina Aguilera Mulan, but the Mulan Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that girl? <laughs> it's like, Christina, can you hit that note? And she's like, and then I went downstairs and I could. <laughs> Poor Christina Aguilera. Why? I don't know. I feel like people hate her. I don't think she's very likable. So what? I mean, it just comes with the territory. Fine. I heard she smells like hot dogs. Yeah, who told you that, Fred Durst? No. I like, that was like a, like a thing when she was like a kid. They said, oh, she smells like hot dogs. That's, that's mean. That's mean. That's not that's nice. That's not nice. Hot dogs can be delicious. Mm, that's not nice. That's not nice to her. I smell like linguise. Oh, de linguise. <laughs> 
Powerful. <laughs> Lang- Languish by Bijou Candles. Ugh. Ooh, what does that smell like to you? Um, top, top notes of hemp. <laughs> top notes of hemp, Febreze. Febreze. <laughs> um, um, I'm going to say like a Dorito base. Yeah, and like a faint onion smell. Yeah, because everyone's cooking at home. Also, banana bread. <gasps> you know what this smells like? Absolute trash. <laughs> well, it could work. It could. It's all ethically sourced. It's all, <laughs> It's so weird because I obviously we love to like combine candles together to create like a super candle smell. So mm-hmm. we'll burn like two, three, four. Sometimes we'll have like five or six candles going in the whole house. And there's not many of our collection that are like so out there that they don't mesh well with other candles. Yeah. Like, we have like a very signature, I think, style. Yeah. So everything blends like. They mesh well together. I love I love scent blends. <laughs> it makes me really excited. It does. I love when you guys tell me what um, scents you're burning together too. That like makes me so excited. Because sometimes you try some try some. Sometimes you try some that I have not tried. <laughs> and then I go and try some. <laughs> like what is wrong with me? I can't. I'm not potty trained. I can't. I don't know how to speak. Oh, I'm like so scared of what I I'm cannot say to read. I cannot read anymore. No. I just don't have the range. No. I'll sit down to read something and I'm like, look at me, I'm reading. Look at me, I'm reading. I'm reading something. Seriously. I'm, I'm like, am I reading? What did that just say? Let me read that again. I read it again. I'm like, wait, what did it say? <laughs> do you ever hold wa- up? <laughs> when you're watching stuff, do you feel like you have to rewatch it because you went someplace else? All the time. Like that's I feel- why I like the subtitles, because like I'm forced to read those. Exactly. I have to. Ha- I cannot watch things without subtitles anymore. No. Hmm. How did I ever? Yeah. How did I know what things like I know? I don't know lyrics to songs unless I look them up. Like, I, I can't believe we watched like all of Game of Thrones pretty much without captions. Yeah, I think in the last season we watched it with captions. And I like understood. Finally, things made sense. I was like, her name is Sansa. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time I was like, Salsa. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I did not do that. But like, you know what I mean, though? Yeah. When you're like, oh, you're like that. Yeah. You're saying it like that. Yeah. I'm doing like in Cape Fear. <gasps> I'm doing like in Cape Fear. <laughs> what is that from? Is that Rick and it's Morty? It's Rick and Morty. Or is it Family Guy? No, it's Rick and Morty. It's Rick and Morty. <laughs> is that the Titanic episode? Yes. It is. It comes always full circle to Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Um, Remember that Gwyneth Paltrow video we just watched? Oh, I mean, famously bad video that just came out of Gwyneth Paltrow doing her skincare routine and it is it really bad. couldn't be more wrong. I hate to like be a, a jump on like Gwyneth Paltrow can do whatever she wants I don't care but like it's really dangerous information to tell people that you only need to dab sunscreen on the high points of your face. You need to be putting dollops yeah. of sunscreen on your face, ears, backs of your yeah. hands, do your a decolletage. Yes. I was like Gwyneth. This, it's the worst advice. And then she was using lotions that were like occlusive bef- and then using actives after. She she used what she called a serum that was actually a face oil. An oil. Which with the minute you put something like an oil or like, a you know, like creams that like sort of seal things in. Those are supposed to kind of be at the end to like seal everything in. Uh-huh. And then everything that you're doing, you want it to be like absorbed into the skin so you want to put like all your actives on first Mm -hmm. and then you put on all your like you know occlusive sort of like the things that seal it in yeah and she was putting the seals on first and then she put stuff on top of her spf and your spf should always be last 
So those just it was appalling. That's just a little. It's just like unbelievable how someone that has so little knowledge about the things that she purports to have so much knowledge about has gone so far. It's unbelievable mediocrity. Yeah, that's true. Like just wow. Yeah, she does not know what she's talking about (laughs) at all. Like just, I was really surprised it was that bad. Yeah, me too. And it was interesting because she had some products that are like decent products, but she just is using them incorrectly. Well, what are they, like five hundred dollars each. I mean, like of course they're probably some good. stuff is expensive. Yeah, but I was just sort of like, hmm. But you know what? I don't necessarily know that she claims to be an expert, but she should then, maybe say that. Yeah, maybe don't like, make the video. I'm making this video, and I just want you guys to know that like this is completely wrong. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> Like, I just made this up. And it's, like, not even work- working, really. <laughs> I mean, no. That's not, like, what she's necessarily known for, per se. And, like, she can do whatever she wants, but, like, that's just not how you're going to protect yeah, take your skin. Yeah, take what, with it what you will. Is that yeah, what? take what... And also, when in, doubt, when in doubt, get the CeraVe. CeraVe is a good... If you're, like, at the, the drugstore and you're, like, I want to, like, step up my skincare routine, things to look for. Fragrance-free... Always a good mm-hmm. idea. Oh, yeah. There was, like, fragrance in a bunch of her stuff, too. I, I personally don't like fragrances or essential oils in my skincare because it messes me and up. And, like, if anyone would like it, it would be you. Yeah. Because like, I love smells. Yeah. yeah. That's really true because I, I friggin' love yeah, smells. Yeah, to abstain from a, a fragrance is, is not a big deal. On, on brand for you. You'd, I don't need my body. My skin doesn't need to absorb fragrance necessarily. Uh-huh. It just needs to absorb things that are good for it. Moisture. Moisturizer. <laughs> But yeah, I uh, CeraVe is always a good bet. Sarah, Sarah, and always an SPF. Always, always, at least a teaspoon. At on least your, on your face, neck, back of hands, back of ears. You got short haircut, back of neck. That's why I have a mullet. The, the mullet, the duct. Elena is growing a glorious mullet, and it's gonna protect the back That's of my her SPF. Neck. <laughs> Until I braid it, and then who knows? What's I cannot happen. wait to braid it. Who knows like what's gonna happen? Like one long braid. I'm gonna do one long braid and everyone's gonna know I'm Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I like that look. I think that's very chic for you. Cool. Let's see what happens. I love it. <laughs> I also wanna talk about our new obsession, which is these mystery, like, case Mystwee. games that we're. <laughs> Mysteries! It took us this long to get on board with this. So, you What's guys, wrong with this? you guys have all seen probably these ads for what is it Hunt called? Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer or whatever. And like we've been waiting to pull the trigger on it for who knows why because I love murder stuff. It's cuz it's expensive. They're pricey. Yeah. So, we went like I said we had to go to Target. This is that same Target visit because I'm not trying to go into stores the like one and only. ever. Um but they had like a Target version of one for like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. It was so great. And then we just went on Amazon and got a different style of one that was like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. And it's like 50, you know, pieces of evidence. And it's like this case that you have to solve. And it you comes get like packet. a case file and you have to solve it. It's a cold case. I love it. I've been training for this my whole life. I cannot wait to play it. I know. We're going to like, we have to like move everything off the floor and use the floor. Oh my should God. Should we get one Dude, of those like pin- whiteboard? Yeah. Should we get like a, um, a push pin board and we can put like pins in it like where people were on a can map can you fucking imagine if we get so into this that we have it like hanging where he had like yeah. a huge open wall that we were like gonna put him we were gonna put a mirror on but it hasn't happened and like what if we just put like a cork board we and should. a whiteboard and every time people come over there's like a murder case on it like like kelly from by the Injustice. way anytime people come over 
LOL. <laughs> what are things? What are things? But yeah, Kelly from Cold Justice. I love Kelly from Cold Justice. You guys watch Cold Justice. Now you know what to do. Go watch Cold Justice. Also, there's new shows out now. The Nevers. Can we talk about it? What I mean, yeah, do? it's great. And then at the end, it was like created by Joss Whedon. I was like, damn it. <laughs> guys, what are what do we and do? Like, I, you know, he obviously made Buffy, which is my favorite show of all time many people's favorite show and it just like it has me thinking about him in general and i'm like you know maybe in the past i thought that he was a champion of women and a feminist but like obviously he's not and um i just find it like really weird now that he's like obsessed with women fighting like physically interesting like i just feel like he has like a a hard-on for it and i don't like it like i'm like seeing it through a different lens because like I just, like, don't trust people at all. Why should you? Why should I? Like, I just don't. I just, I assume that people in high positions like that have, like, the worst intentions. Right. And, like, of course he's, like, has some gross obsession with women fighting. Absolute power corrupts. Yeah. Like, there's no way he's, like, having women fight on screen because he, like, wants to see them succeed. Like, he's got some weird stuff going on. Very interesting. I'm very curious. You know how, like, Woody Allen has, like, feet stuff in his movies? Oh, no, it's not Woody Allen. It's, um... What's his name? Jax Taylor? Nope. <laughs> he was a, maybe it is also Woody Allen, but famously, um, Quentin Tarantino. Right. Has is that a foot fetish. Of? Yes. And he always has feet things there in all of his movies. There was something, no, because we were watching that Woody Allen documentary and there was like something that he did in like every movie besides um, bamboozling a young teenage girl. I think it might also, it could potentially, I can't remember if it's feet, but I know also, Quentin Tarantino yeah. has like a big foot thing. Yes, that's true. And one of the reasons I think he loves to cast Uma Thurman is because she has like a spe- like big feet. Like a nice long foot. Like a long foot or something. Yeah, I know. I'm, I know what our feet look like. Oh, yeah. As, as, tall, as a fellow tall, tall girl. Ladies, yeah. <laughs> I actually met her once when I was like in eighth grade. I was in the city. Yeah. With my mom and I met her like in the village and I was taller than her. Oh, look who's the tallest. My tall wife. But anyway, yeah, like, <laughs> I just see it through a different lens now. I know, like, we we actually didn't know about it, which is surprising to me, because I feel like we always know, like, what's coming out, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. And we saw that it came out, unlike the night it came out by chance. Yeah. And so we watched it, and then we were like, I was like, that was fun. Yeah. That was, I really liked that. And then it was, like, created by Joss Whedon, directed by Joss Whedon. I was like, ew. Yeah. Because, like, I just don't know... Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Charisma Carpenter, who plays, um, oh my God, what's her name in Buffy? What's wrong with me? Cordelia. <laughs> Cordelia. <laughs> You've literally watched the se- series like seven times. And the fa- like the look on Elena's face, she's like, what's her like, name? Like, I think my soul just left my body. <laughs> that's what that song no, is about. Like, I was soul like, that's, body. Yeah. I was like, that's her name, Charisma. Charisma Carpenter, that's her name. She basically came out and said that Joss Whedon was like very abusive on set. Like he was like extremely like kind of mean and bullying. And there was like another actor, I think, from a Marvel. I'm not I'm I don't know the Marvel uh, universe very well, but there's an actor, I think, that called him out for something, too. And then something with Gal Gadot. Okay, happened. I don't don't know know if she said it or if someone else. I don't know. I don't know all the tea. Anyway, he's an asshole is the story. Is the story. So big surprise. Yeah. But like, you know, I always watched Buffy and I thought was I thought it was so cool that she like fought and like could defend herself and was strong and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, when the second time around, the third time around, fifth time around, you're just like, what is this like? 
mm. obsession you well, have because with in the girls nevers, fighting. There's no spoilers here, but like the main one of the main characters is a really good fighter and yeah. it's a woman. And it's, you know, again, a female based hero. And like, I'm not style. saying that there shouldn't be women fighting and stuff. I'm oh, saying no, that like when it comes that. from the specific guy. You're curious. I'm like, what's that there? Is it a fetish or something? Yeah, exactly. Very interesting, Elena. I don't know. Let me call him. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like if like when women make movies, they don't just like make movies about guys fighting. Like, I don't, I don't get the motivation. That's, like, the like the last thing I would Yeah, pick. like, I don't... It's obviously not writing from his point of view. Yeah. So, like, why are you inhabiting this point of view? Unless it is. And then there's something deeper going okay, on there. Well, you know what? I love... I'm open to everything. We're always open. Yeah. Hey, as long as you're not hurting yourself and anyone else, that's good. And that's is. why when you're hurting somebody, that's... <laughs> Please stop. That's not okay. Please take care of that problem. Anyways, yeah. But yeah, The Nevers is fun. It's a fun it's show. It's fun. And yeah, comment below. Let me know what you think. And then also the... Um, Mayor of Easttown. Yeah. Mayor is a name that I learned. Mayor. Super Irishy. M-A-R-E. Love it. I've never heard it. Starring my literal favorite and Titanic star. Uh-huh. God, Titanic is everywhere. Kate Winslet. It's just like so culturally... Relevant. Forever. It's ingrained in the depths of my soul. There was a Titanic board game at Target, like with the movie it. cover on it. We almost got it. Yeah. But you know what? I know I, what happens. I know. Well, you can't win. <laughs> I think it like the is the like point of the game just to get your piece on like the door frame at the end. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Definitely. And like whoever gets on there like has to like land on there perfectly or yeah. you get kicked off. The or point something. of the game is that you have to successfully steal a white star line plate and get it home nice <laughs> even though the boat sinks oh my god do you think that there are people out there that like have stuff definitely from the ship? for sure that is very interesting it's so funny when you watch movies like that and like the whole time i'm like please don't happen hey elena don't let it happen <laughs> i thought the old lady threw it in the ocean <laughs> <laughs> when we were watching first of all oops i did it again no it's not oops i did it again crazy remix cr- cr- the crazy remix is my favorite song right now yeah it is so you know i watched you it happen too you watched like, me rediscover yeah because it. it came on in the car and you were just like oh my god this song slaps it's are you kidding me uh, uh, yeah oh uh, oh yeah you're just like oh my god it's so good stop. when she Ew. says stop and she's so languishy about it because she's like stop and her, it's like yeah. slow and like yeah. get it out <laughs> stop yeah stop. it's like the most half-assed stop i love Me it too. i always loved that stop eh, eh. i love her and then melissa joan hart is there for some reason god that movie was bad yeah <laughs> um adrian grenier is in that yeah and i used to work at this boutique in the city and his mom used to come in all the time and she talked about him constantly really I mean, she was like, my son's Adrian Grenier. My son is Adrian Grenier. You know what? Good for her. And I was like, uh-huh. Good like, for I her. I just like, I like, I don't, like, I'm happy for you, but I just don't care. Yeah. Like, he's not maybe the one that I would be so braggadocious about. Braggadocious. You know, he's yeah. not Tom Cruise. You freaking love Tom Cruise. <laughs> but his mom's like, my son doesn't talk to me anymore. Are you in like Stop. the, are you a Rosie O'Donnell lesbian? Obviously. <laughs> You're also obsessed with Tom Yeah, she also loves Celine Dion and Barbra Streisand. You know what? Same. 
Selena, you know, it's really funny. It is, Rosie O'Donnell has that sort of the gay culture is almost like gay, she's a gay guy lesbian. Gay guy lesbian. Yeah. I'm a gay guy. I think I'm like a twink. Same. Well, I'm also like, You're like an otter, but I'm also like not. I don't know. I'm, You're a soft, 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 soft butch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Dr. Pepper chapstick lesbian. Dr. Pepper chapstick. And I am. Olaplex. Tired. <laughs> You're an Olaplexian. An Olaplex lesbian. Yeah. I need Olaplex. My hair yeah. is just like not the same. Nothing's the same. I need to go outside. Yeah. And get some sun. Bye. <laughs> you guys, we have like this really cute patio that we like are constantly like preening, tweaking. You think we sit outside on we that patio? We don't sit on that. We, the second I get out there, I'm like, ouch. Look at these flies around. Why? It's like, I hate it. Are bugs obsessed with me. I feel like the patio like concentrates them in a space. Like if I go out normally to like an, an open space, I don't struggle that much. It's not even that, Lena, because we go out there and there's no bugs and then we sit there for five minutes and then there's so many bugs and I'm just like, why are you guys obsessed with us? Yeah, what are the tips here? What do I need to put like... Why are bees constantly touching me? Yeah. Is it because of my perfume? Yeah. Probably. Wasps. There was a wasp that was hardcore coming for me the other Here's day. Here's a question. Are wasps hot <laughs> are they sexy boys yes because bumblebees are cute yeah wasps are sexy like i saw that wasp and i was like damn i know hot <laughs> damn they are with the legs hanging juicy and they have like those juicy like thighs just like kind of hanging yeah off i was them. like those are some sick colors yeah they're as we would say in the industry hung wow nature's lit <laughs> Remember last year when there was a praying mantis that like hung out? out okay, there? this praying mantis was humongous. Yeah, it was at least five inches long. Five pounds. <laughs> it was the size of a guinea pig. It, like, it was, was huge. And like I went outside, and I was watering my plants that refused to live, failure to thrive. I could not get these plants. Wait, can I tell you the story? Yeah, because it's really funny. <laughs> so like we had just moved up here, mind you, we are city people. We have been in the city for a, a billion times. City folk. And there's all these bugs. So first of all, there was a ton of grasshoppers jumping around. We had put all these plants on our patio. So I had to go out and water them like every day because it was a billion degrees. And we got this really huge watering can. And like, I'm very careful of like all these bugs that are around because I do not want to be bugged. And I am using this new watering can and I'm like tilting it over. And then I bring it back up. And then I hear like a whistling sound, like a whoop. And I'm like, um someone whistling at me and then I keep doing like all the other plants and I just keep hearing Weep! and I'm like oh my god someone's whistling at me or like a bug is I was literally terrified no, you were I like remember this and I it took me like way too long to realize that it was the watering can yeah that was whistling whistle every time yeah it was- and it was like, Weep! and so it took me f- that long I was so scared and then I turn around and there is a gigantic Gigantic, you guys, humongous, prehistoric looking. Yeah. Praying mantis sitting there. And I was just like, carry on, ma'am. And I like looked up like kind of close at it because I like, took a picture of it and like zoomed in. And their faces look like alien heads. They're cute. I'm t- They have like cute faces. I don't think that they're from Earth. I think they're aliens. Interesting. So these are other things that I've thought about during the quarantine. We're the aliens. Uh, partially. This is the things I believe now because I... I am languishing. I feel like the term <laughs> alien has like 
uh, pun intended, alienated people. Yeah, because from the concept thinking of about it as like a sci-fi thing. Yeah, it just means that it is not of this Earth originally. Yeah, and like, is that so fucking hard to believe? The universe no. is is gigantic. It's infinite. It's expanding. It's time is does a flat circle. All you know, all those things, and you are you think that you're at the top of the food chain? We're in like the literally, we're literally like here. a little thing in like a pinball machine, right? I, we're living inside someone's intestines. Yeah, like could be. I don't friggin' know. Everything is like scaled. Yeah, it reiterations of itself. Yes, it is. Like what is it like? If you look inside an eyeball, it's like the roots. It's it like looks the galaxy, like the or galaxy, some shit. or something. The Milky Way. I don't the Milky Way. Know. I mean, we are literally just repeating patterns over and over again. And like our cells change like all the time. Every seven We're, like, years, not the same people. We completely become different physical human beings. Wow. So like, who is she? That's why your allergies change. Yeah. They change for the worse every year. So buckle up, everyone. <laughs> it's a crazy ride in this meat suit that we're all in. That's been like my biggest, I think, languishing theme is that I am absolutely livid that I have to be contained to my meat suit. Yeah. Everything about the pandemic is about our meat suits. Yeah, it We is. can't get our meat suits sick. Yeah. Everything about this. So it's kind of like our souls are just like, ah, mm-hmm. get me out. That's why we have to astral project all the time. Yeah, had to. That's why I have to. Had to. Ha, that's why I have to read the the subtitles, or I just automatically astral project. Right. <laughs> Anytime I get like a moment where I like close my eyes but stay focused, my body starts to vibrate like like that. Yeah. And I feel like I am I'm astral projecting. Like I want to get on a level <laughs> where like I can bend energy. Okay. Because like it's all around us. I mean, yeah. It's very possible. You do it all the time. You're doing it right now. That's true. Because I'm just pure movement. You're pure. <laughs> I'm just moving. You're moving. <laughs> or how about the fact that we're all like kind of technically touching? <sighs> that I don't like. I mean, how about the fact that like there's so much there's so much shit that we just cannot see? Yeah, that. OK, wait. Yes. Because the concept of living in a simulation, like regardless of it's like the definition of what you want it to be, like if someone is playing a game as you and or whatever, or they were saying like, it is a simulation because the way that we perceive it is simulated. It's not or it's not really what's happening. Yeah. Because all, our eyes can only perceive a certain amount of colors and light and this and like our ears can only hear certain frequencies. Uh-huh. Like there are things happening in the physical yeah. realm of this earth that we do not perceive. Like so our we bla- are having our, a simulation. Our plants could be like, can you listen to these fucking bitches? They could. They, they could, could be talking to each other, talking about how fucking stupid we are. Yeah. And can you blame them? Right. You well, like they put me in this fucking vase and like what I look am like I, shit. What am can I someone feed me, please? To eat? What am I? It, it, like, what if our houses are just screaming at us? That's what I'm concerned. <laughs> what if like everything in here is screaming? That's huh. what I'm scared of. <laughs> huh. Yeah. What if like anytime you sprayed like antibacterial spray, hmm. all the bacteria was like, ah! No, my God, right? <laughs> like, what if we were just like causing just like pure anguish to all of increase like i hate that yeah i mean there's like tiny bugs on me right now yeah i Ugh, wish they wouldn't my god I, they're like mowing their lawns they have all tiny houses not on only my are body. they on you they're in you like and it, oh, they need to be i do not consent like if your bo- if your gut doesn't have like the right bacteria no, that's true, yeah. like oh my god it can affect your mental health i know that's like the craziest thing ew apparently your gut is like an epicenter of your mental health it's your second brain yeah 
it makes it's it, literally like me hungry. So like your <laughs> your brain has like serotonin receptors. Yeah. Am I wrong, guys? Your I don't, brain or your gut? I'm, your gut. Your gut. Your yeah, gut. yeah. And yeah, dopamine maybe. I don't know. Comment below. Comment below. Um, I'm really excited for your deep dive today because you were freaking chuckle housing while you were writing it. Yeah. And I have been like on the edge of my seat waiting to hear more because. I love this, like doing the starlets because we don't know a lot about their kind of stories as yeah. much as the more modern icons. So I'm very, very interested. Yeah, especially too because um, my parents like aren't really American, mm-hmm. so I am not familiar with American things like before the '80s, really. Right. <laughs> to no, be, that's true. To be totally honest, I bet um, other children of immigrants feel very similarly. Yeah. So like, I don't know like anything about these movies and stuff like i haven't seen any of them i can barely see them yeah you have a hard time with black and white movies. yeah like when uh turner classic movies is on it may as well be sports it, i like can't cannot see, see it. it yeah i understand but once you like focus down and maybe put the subtitles on you can like then get I may it as well just read a book and you don't read any books aren't they boring are these movies boring <laughs> some of them are and some of them aren't what was the one that your mom and sister just watched that was like daddy had on a cat on a tin roof. Yeah. I mean, they're so entertaining. Who's Elizabeth Taylor? Is like yeah. big daddy, a big daddy, big daddy, a big daddy, oh big daddy, big daddy. Like that's it's funny. That's the original Succession. It is. Yes. Going to get a kiss from daddy. I love Succession. When's that coming back? Oh, I need that to come back. What What's the name of that guy? He's also in the big Jeremy short. Strong. Jeremy. He, he's He's hot. He has something. He has an energy about him that's sexy. Is it like the thing of chewing gum as a personality trait? Yes. Does he chew gum a lot? I just when he chews gum, it looks like it's a it's like a thing that he does. I think it's he's like, like having a toothpick in your mouth. Such a good actor, and it, it, you're just like good for you. Yeah, he's a great actor, right? Famously difficult. The rudest woman I've ever met. Who do you think I'm talking about? Is it Betty is it Davis? It's, it's my new idol. <laughs> the woman I hope I can become. <laughs> Betty Davis. Tell me everything. I'm obsessed with her. She's funny. Yeah. Like, she's like the OG gay icon. Yeah. Like she's like the original actress. Yeah, she right? She was like one of the first to like... Yeah, she was like... Get um, down into it. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, you know, one of the first people to be in movies. Like, with sound and, you know, like... Right. And, like, actually act instead and of being like, oh, look at me. I'm just perfect, right. Mr. So-and-so. <laughs> um, and as we will learn, that was incredibly important to her. I love that. So she was born Ruth Elizabeth Davis. Oh, my God. My middle name is Elizabeth. And my last name starts with D, too. And wait. She was born in Lowell, oh, Massachusetts. I was born in Lawrence, Lawrence which is not too far from there. She was born on April 5th, 1908, which makes her an Aries. Yes, it does. Yes, it do. Be. Big Aries vibes. Yes. Her nickname was Betty, since her mother was also named Ruth. Uh, so, yeah, her mother was Ruth, and she was a homemaker, and her father was Harlow, and he was a law student w- when she was born, and he became a patent attorney. So his name was Harlow Davis? Yeah. That's such a cool name. It's a name. great name. Yes. Not a great guy, but a great name. Yeah. Because in 1915, when she was seven, her father abandoned the family. She went to attend boarding school in the Berkshires for three years. Okay. Twist my arm. (laughs) (laughs) Then in 1921, when Betty was 13, 
Ruth moved her and her younger sister Barbara to New York City, where she enrolled in the Clarence White School of Photography. Her mother did. Oh, interesting. So she went to photography school and brought and brought Betty. Yeah, I feel like, you know, her the dad left and she like moved and found herself. Well, good for her, (laughs) I guess. Um, (laughs) And they lived on 144th and Broadway. How interesting. Yeah. So wait, that like must have been like at the time, you know, all those pre-war buildings mm-hmm. in Harlem that are like, like, why do they look like? Yeah. Crazy brownstones. <laughs> yeah. They're like houses. Yeah. Because I think it was more like suburban type. Right. Living because it was then. like so far up. How like, farmland. interesting. Uh, um, and she worked as a portrait photographer, her mom. Nice. So yeah, like I said, her nickname was Betty. But when she was in New York, she changed the spelling to Betty with an E after the character Betty Fisher from the book La Cousine Bette. Bette, it's French, uh, from mm-hmm. the writer Honoré de Balzac. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a French novel set in mid-19th century Paris that tells the story of an unmarried middle-aged woman who plots the destruction of her extended family. Ah, yes! So Perfect. that's, like, her namesake? Like, what she took yes. her name? I love that. For, yeah, she just, like, decided to change it. <laughs> Um, and then she ended up going back to boarding school in Ma- in Massachusetts, the Cushing Academy. Do you know it? Mm-mm. I don't. I went to public school. <laughs> no, no. There is no shade on Massachusetts public school. No, Massachusetts public school is like it's- Florida private, like pri- better than Florida private. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> when she was 18, she started going to see plays and she saw a production of The Wild Duck, with an actress named Peg Entwistle, who Davis later attributed to wanting to get into theater. Nice. And they were actually like the same age, which I thought was interesting. Wow. Her and Peg. I, I'm very curious to know Peg's story. I'm gonna She's write that British. down. Peg Entwistle. Yeah, you see, like, you look at her picture and it's just like so old timey. It looks like one of those, uh, like, French posters that you buy at Home Goods. Oh, I have to look that you up. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, wait. Peg is one of those nicknames that is would probably be one of those ones that make you crazy. Like what it's a nickname for. Oh, yeah. Can you guess what the name the name is the nickname for? Like Elizabeth? I don't it's know. It's Margaret. Oh. Isn't that yep. so funny? Like those that that time period and I we had like lots of like great aunts and grandmothers that have all these nicknames that have nothing to do with their given names. Is it because they are all named Margaret? Like that's like kind of what it is. Like you know how Betty Davis is named like Ruth Elizabeth and her mom was like Ruth something. Yeah. Like I feel like they all just like went by different names because they didn't want to name them Betty. They should have just done that. Now we do. Yeah. Now we're like here's my kid <coughs> and like we're <laughs> cool with that. Anyways I digress. <laughs> you can all just name your kids Melania like my family did and call you know, them a day. It worked out. Yeah. I guess they have nicknames. They have unbelievably nick- nicknames that have nothing to do with the name Melania. <laughs> That's true. So Betty started auditioning for parts around the Northeast and in 1929, she would be cast as Hedwig, the character she had seen Entwistle play in The Wild, in the wild Duck. Oh, so it came full circle for her. Yeah. She played the part. After performing in Philadelphia, Washington, and Boston, she made her Broadway debut in Broken Dishes in 1929, followed by Solid South. Mm. In 1930, when Betty was 22, she and her mother took a train ac- across the country and moved to Hollywood, baby. Oh, wow. To screen test for Universal Studios. So her mom was like supportive of this choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll talk. I'll talk more about that later. Okay. Kind of just like getting the. Get, give me the lay get, of the land. Get, yeah. She failed her first screen test, but was used in several screen tests for other actors. In an interview years later, she recounted the experience and it sounded terrible. Oh, my God. I was the most Yankiest, most modern virgin who had ever walked the earth. 
They laid me on a couch and I tested 15 men. They all had to lie on top of me and give me a passionate kiss. <gasps> oh, I thought I would die. Just thought I would die. Oh! Yep. Mm-hmm. I have to, like, let that sink in. That was her screen test? Yep. And she failed it? These were, like, subsequent screen tests that she I did. I can't. Like, for other people. So she just, like, laid on a couch and men came and laid on top of her and kissed her? Yep. I hate everything. And, you know, I'm sure on that set, too, like, everyone was making jokes, like, wow, Betty's having a great time. Like, yeah. Oh, what she a lucky lady. loves it. Yeah. Gross. A second test was arranged for Betty for the 1931 film A House Divided. She was hastily dressed in an ill-fitting costume with a low neckline, of to course. which the director of the film, William Wyler, loudly commented to the, to the crew, what do you think of these dames who show their chests and think they can get jobs? Oh. You see? You dressed me! You put me in this yeah. outfit, William. Yeah. I can't. She was literally going to get fired by the head of Universal, Carl Lemel. Lame- Le- 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 yeah, let's go with Lemel. Carl Lemel. Mr. Lemel. Mr. Lemel. But cinematographer Carl Freund told him she had lovely eyes. Betty Davis eyes. She did have those Betty Davis eyes. And would be good in the 1931 movie Bad Sister, which subsequently became her film debut. She has the same eyes that Billie Eilish has, where it's like the white is oh, on yeah, the bottom. There's white on three parts. Three sides, yeah. yeah. I have to do it every time. Every time. Oh, yeah. So she did the movie Bad Sister, which was her film debut. And boy, is it hard to watch. Yeah. Um, it looks like it was, like, wrapped in tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> the film was not a success, but Universal re- renewed her contract for three months and lent her out to Columbia Pictures for a few films. I love lending. I know. I can't. Didn't they say that about Hetty, too? Yeah, they're like, like, we, won't let, we won't lend her out. Like, what, she's like a Toyota Prius? Yes, excuse me. After a year and six unsuccessful films, Universal did not renew her contract. Betty was preparing to move back to New York when actor George Arliss chose her to play the lead female role in the 1932 Warner Brothers film, The Man Who Played God. Oh, okay. Come WB coming in. Until the end of her life, Betty credits Arliss for personally insisting upon using her as his leading lady. It's amazing how like one person can change the trajectory. Right. Yeah. She charmed critics in The Man Who Played God and Warner Brothers signed her to a five-year contract. Hmm. And she stayed at the studio for the next 18 years. Um, she was really focused on the craft of acting and her career choices definitely reflect her desire to portray like a range of characters and yeah. not just be like a pretty screen actress. Like, That's she, like what I think about when I think of her. Yeah. Like she takes parts that other people won't take because they're afraid of looking ugly. And like bitchy. Yeah. I love that. And like, yeah, just unsavory characters. She's like good. After more than 20 film roles, she played the role of Mildred Rogers in 1934's Of Human Bondage, earning Betty her first major critical yeah. acclaim. Basically, in this movie, Betty's character callously rejects the main character, Philip, over and over. Mm-hmm. And it's just overall like a female character that is written to be hated, basically. Do you ever think that maybe she picked these parts because she didn't want to have to get fucking laid on top of and kissed? So she's like the kind of woman that's like not necessarily the leading lady who's going to mm-hmm. get smooched at and laid on top of. Yeah. It gives her a little bit more power in the situation. Yeah, it's the it's the Christina Aguilera paradox. <laughs> it's like. They want you to be the bitch, and then they hate you to be the bitch. Yeah. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Pretty old lady! (laughs) Where was I? I guess. 
Many other actresses would have avoided playing such an unsympathetic character, and many other actresses refused the role, but Betty saw it as an opportunity to show her acting range. The film was a success, and Life magazine even wrote that she gave probably the best performance ever recorded on screen by a U.S. actress. Damn! Like, ever. Yeah, that's what Life magazine said, so. Wow. (laughs) Got the life! (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't it be so funny if we... Oh, Wouldn't it be funny if we found out that um, the original founding member of Korn was Kim Kardashian? <laughs> what? Or Kris Jenner? Because that's why it has a K. Yep. Korn Kardashian. Yep. And the R is backwards for Rob. <laughs> <coughs> oh my god. <coughs> I think you killed me. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh so when Betty wasn't nominated for an Academy Award for of Human Bondage, nominee Norma Shearer joined a campaign to have Betty nominated. This, wow. This prompted an announcement from the Academy president, Howard Estabrook, who said, under the circumstances, any voter may write on the ballot his or her personal choice for the winner. That is like, so they made like a write-in just yeah. for her. So this was the only time in the Academy's history where a candidate who was not officially nominated could be considered to win. Okay, that's very mm-hmm. interesting. This led to a change in the Academy voting process the following year, so nominations were determined by votes from all eligible members of a particular branch rather than a smaller committee. Nice, so that way people didn't get as overlooked. Yeah, right, they still do. Yeah. Then in 1935, she starred as a troubled actress in the film Dangerous, and she got very good reviews, with one saying, I think Betty Davis would probably have been burned as a witch if she had lived two or three (laughs) hundred years ago. She gives the curious feeling of being charged with power, which can find no ordinary outlet. Oh, wow. I love that. (laughs) The New York Times hailed her as becoming one of the most interesting of our screen actresses. Look at her. She won the Academy Award for Best Actress for this role in Dangerous, but said that it was belated recognition for Of Human Bondage, calling the award a consolation prize. Like they gave it to her because she really should have gotten it. Iconic. She like said that in her acceptance speech. (laughs) So good. That's funny. She's like, I'll accept this apology. Yeah, she is <laughs> iconic. She is so funny. Oh, I love her. Um, so even more iconic than that is the name Oscar probably came from Betty herself, even though the Academy claims to have another story behind it. Sure, they do. But her whole life, she has maintained that she called her award Oscar because the butt of the statue mm-hmm. resembled the butt of her husband, whose middle name was Oscar. Interesting. So, like, the the Oscars is, like, because of her husband's butt. That is so funny. Yeah. Like, why would that... Then what's the other story? His dare, yeah. Like, it's got to be the right story. Yeah. It's too weird to be like, no, I invented the Oscars. Like, it's my husband's butt. <laughs> and now we're, like, the 90th annual yeah. Oscars. Yep. The 90th annual And it's about Betty Davis's... Betty Davis's husband's hu- Ex-husband's middle name's butt. Mm-hmm. So everybody be careful who your idols are, because it could be someone's butt. <laughs> Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> In the next few years, Betty just got terrible script after terrible script, and she was extremely frustrated by the roles she was being offered. So she did something extremely ballsy, even though she was under strict contract with Warner Brothers, and we know now what kind of heavy control that looked like for an actress back then. Right. Like, she went to England and filmed two movies. And <gasps> Warner Brothers sued her. <laughs> Outside of her contract? Yeah. Damn! Yeah. 
So Warner Brothers won the lawsuit and she was made to come back to Hollywood and fulfill her contract. But she was also like terrified about how she would be treated upon right. coming back. Yeah. But surprisingly and like kind of amazingly, the studio like listened to what she was doing and saying and like gave her better scripts. Oh, wow. Worked. Yeah. So in 1938, Betty starred in the movie Jezebel. Mm hmm. And during the production, she got into a relationship with the director, William Wyler. Uh-huh. Do you recall who that is? Is he the one who made the comment about the low-cut outfit? That's him. Okay. They, like, fell madly in love with each other. Like a... Like a, like a love affair. Showmance. Yeah, showmance. <laughs> and she later described him as the love of her life and said making the film with him was the time in my life of my most perfect happiness, she said. Wow. In the film, Betty played a spoiled Southern Belle and won another Academy Award. Look at her. Uh, she had a whirlwind relationship with Wilder during the filming of the movie. So were they were just like boyfriend, girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Okay. He proposed to her. Oh, okay. But she was like very worried about marrying him because she had this kind of like symbiotic working relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And her stage or her screen persona was tied to him in a way. Right. You know, and she was like very dedicated about her career. Right. Um, so she decided to like go to her house and lock herself in her house for the weekend to like think about it. <laughs> uh-huh. And on Monday morning, she opened her front door only to discover um, a telegram that had been sitting there for two days. And it was from William. And it said, if I don't hear from you tomorrow about what you want, like if you were going to marry me or not, I'm going to marry this other person that I like. And um, it, was like, it was like a day before she saw the, the letter. And did he get married so already? So she called him immediately, and he had already gotten married. What? Yep. Dodged a bullet. That's what she said. Dodged a, several, a, like a several bullet. Several years later, she was like, you know, I dodged a bullet. That was, like, the right thing to happen. He gave her the all the answers. Like, he did her a favor. Yeah, she was like, I got really lucky. You go, I'm going to need a weekend to think about this, because literally we work together. Yep. My identity is tied to you, but then if I'm also married to you, that's really a balance of power that I don't love. And then he had, like, this other bitch and on the And he had another corner. bitch on the side that he was ready to marry. Goodbye yeah. to you. Are you kidding me? How is that normal? And I love that about Betty Davis, that she was, like, dodged a bullet. Yeah, she's right. Yep. She's from Lowell. Don't mess with her. No. I don't know what Lowell was like back then, but she's... Don't mess with that woman. Shout out to all my Lowell heads out there. <laughs> Lowell, Bill Ricca, Lawrence, Lynn, Andover. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> I love this. Like, when you say Lynn from Lynn Mast, you just say Lynn. <laughs> oh, they're from Lynn. You just say it like that. Love I you guys. Love <laughs> Go Bruins. I'm from there. <laughs> Um, But the film Jezebel marks the beginning of the most successful phase of her career. She was one of the highest revenue generating stars of her time. She would continue to make box office hits that stretched her acting abilities and committed to roles, including 1939's The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex with Errol Flynn. Okay. Um, Funny side note, Mm. Errol Flynn's dog bit her on the ankle. And I'll get to this later, but she loved doggies. Yeah. And she wasn't even mad. So you're saying she's you. <laughs> no, I'm, I didn't say it. <laughs> so this movie, The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex, was the, on, was the first and only color film made during the height of her career. Wow. And to play the part of elderly Elizabeth, which she did, Elizabeth I of England, Betty shaved her hairline and her eyebrows. Oh, that's like, yeah, like yeah. that's that was like maybe one of the first instances of shaving your head for the film. 
Oh, yeah. Like, Betty Davis walked so Demi Moore could shave her head for G.I. Jane. Wow. And then Demi Moore fast walked. Yes. So Natalie Portman could walk a little bit faster for Anne Hathaway. To then walk really fast into an Oscar award-winning performance in Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. This is the candle of the week. <laughs> Remember when she did that? I do. That's why she won. <laughs> Good for her. So while filming the movie, she was visited on set by actor Charles Lawton, to whom she commented that she had the nerve of uh, playing a woman in her 60s. <laughs> to which Lawton replied, never not dare to hang yourself. That's the only way you grow in your, in your profession. You must mm. continually attempt things that you think are beyond you or you get into a complete rut. Like she's totally going for the craft. Yeah. Like she, like she wants it. to push herself. She doesn't give a shit about looking like your pretty little thing. No. Like she wants to move audiences. Yeah. That's cool. And like, I don't think people were really like women weren't doing that. What you're telling, what you're telling me is that Betty Davis invented acting. I'm not, not saying that. Yep. Uh, Betty said many years later that this advice influenced her throughout her career. By this time, Betty was Warner Brothers' most po- profitable star. Wow. And in 1941, she became the, the first female president of the Academy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love her because she apparently antagonized committee members with her brash manner and radical proposals. And she, pa- she faced a lot of disapproval and soon after resigned <laughs> and was succeeded by a white man, Walter Wagner. She was pushed out. Wanger. Probably. Yeah. I feel like. She, yeah. You know, they wrote that letter of resignation, let's say. There we her. go. In 1941, she did three more films, worked again with William Wyler in the Mm. movie The Little Foxes, and clashed with him so much that they never worked together again. That's like the ex-almost-fiance. Yep. I would never work with him. So. Me neither. I hope he's dead. Don't even call me. I hope he's dead. (laughs) Dead! (laughs) So then the attack on Pearl Harbor happens in late 1941. And oh, Betty yeah. spent the subsequent months doing what all Hollywood legends do. Oh, wait, can I guess? You can guess. Selling bonds. Bonds, baby. The um the bond sales through old Hollywood mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Big bond money. She sold $2 million worth of bonds in two days. Oh, my God. Which is around $33.6 million today. Oh, my God. And people were saying that, like, she was being a big bitch to sell them. Good. So her tactic was different from Hedy Lamarr's. Hedy Lamarr's tactic was this like ruse of like, I'll give somebody a kiss in the audience. And it was the same guy. Yeah. And then this woman comes out and she's like, you better buy these bonds. Yeah. (laughs) Or you're going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) This place is a dump. Yeah. (laughs) That's what she did. I love it. I actually don't know which. I think I'd prefer to buy bonds from a big bitchy cigarette woman. Me too, woman. that I'm like afraid of. I love a cigarette woman. Me too. And to and me, Betty is Davis is the, the original, cigarette, original woman. cigarette woman. We'll get to that later yeah. too. She also sold a picture of herself in Jezebel for $250,000, which is like $4.2 million. <laughs> oh my God. This woman is, I can't, this is not even like touching on the things that she does that are so funny. It's giving me energy of just like, do you want it or not? Yeah. Yeah, it is like that. And they do. She also performed for black regiments as the only white member of an acting troupe formed by Hattie McDaniel, which also included Lena Horne and Ethel Waters. Wow. She was the only white actor. Yeah. Oh, my God. Interesting. Betty, along with the help of Jack Warner, Cary Grant and Jewel Stein, transformed an old Holly- an old nightclub into the Hollywood canteen. 
It opened in October of 1942, and Hollywood's biggest stars volunteered to entertain servicemen, with Betty ensuring that every night a few important names would be there for vis- for visiting soldiers to meet. Wow, that's so so it was kind of like a club for like soldiers and stuff. Yeah, where she would like bring famous people to go like entertain oh, them. How interesting. Betty later said, "There are a few co- accomplishments in my life that I am sincerely proud of. The Hollywood Canteen is one of them." And in 1980, she was awarded the Distinguished Civilian Service Medal, the highest civilian award given out by the Department of Defense. Well, look at that. Accolades everywhere. I know. Uh, This is fun. In 1947, the U.S. Treasury named Davis the highest paid woman in the country. And in 1949, she negotiated a four-film contract with Warner Brothers that paid her $10,285 a week, which is like $111,000 today. A a week. week. Wearing the money. Yeah, good for her. That's great. Yeah. They did pay her only in war bonds, though. No, they didn't. (laughs) He has a war bond. You buy it, and then you can have it back for 25 cents. Yep. Did you ever get bonds when you were a kid? Yeah, I got like one or two. Yeah, I I got a couple. So funny. And then I put it into my credit union checking account <laughs> in high school. Did you really? I think I did. I think when we were in like fourth grade, like the credit union came and had us open up checking accounts. In fourth grade? Yes. That's predatory. That seems interesting. Although like we did build up little accounts and like they had it like I think it, I feel like I remember once a week or once a month they would come in and you could like they set up like a little thing and you could deposit money into it. So like we had like little checking accounts when we hmm. graduated. Did that's, you? Yes. Huh. While we're public schools. <laughs> that's actually, you know, that's, did they teach you how to say it? Did they, did I don't you know. know what you were doing or. I don't just... know. Does it look like I know what I'm doing? No, no not really. Uh. All right. Then in 1950, Betty filmed what became possibly her most famous role, which was all about Eve. Yes. That's the one. The director of the film, Joseph Mankiewicz, said about Betty, she was letter perfect. She was syllable perfect. The director's Mm. dream, the prepared actress. Ah, dead letter perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm. Syllable perfect. Syllable perfect. What a professional. Yeah. Betty always said that All About Eve resurrected her from the dead because she had some bad films and she she left Warner Brothers and had a baby who is Barbara B.D., uh, with her third husband, William Sherry, in 1947. I'll talk more about that later. Everyone's named William. Just want to get that yeah. out. Okay. Um, she also named her daughter after her sister, which I think is very cute. Oh, that is very cute. And this film was the kind of high caliber stuff that she was doing in the late 30s and, 40, and early 40s. On the set of the film, she also started a heavy romance with co-star Gary Mer- Merrill. Mm-hmm. The two fell in love. Merrill recalls falling in love with Margot Channing, her character. And they had a very tumultuous relationship. A friend of hers recalls a story of the two of them arguing over when dinner should be served and things escalated. (laughs) What? They just like fought about everything. And things escalated (laughs) to the point where Gary slapped her in the face and she (gasps) fell off her chair and he stormed off. And they were at his beach house. So Betty kind of just like walked off onto the beach and her friend gave her some time to like, you know, digest what was happening, collect herself. And he went out and he was like, we got to go. Let's go back to Laguna Beach where she was living. Um, you know, I love we, that show. Right. Mm-hmm. She lived right next to Steven. Oh, my God. I wonder mm-hmm. if they hooked up. Definitely. He hooked up with everyone. Yeah, true. Um, so he, he was like, BD has school in the morning. Let's go. And she was like, I'm staying. I can handle this. Oh, she was like, I'm not leaving. Yeah. She like doubled down. 
And then they got married in Mexico. With the same guy? She married yep. the guy who hit her? Gary Merrill, yeah. Oh, my God. She. I'll talk about this more later, but like she has an interesting relationship with relationships with men. I mean, don't we all? Who among yeah. us? <laughs> but why is everyone getting married in Mexico? I like, don't get that. There was a lot of like celebrity marriages, I feel like. My um, last two deep dives got married in Mexico. Tina and Cher. How interesting. Like, why? Are they doing, is it like a destination wedding thing? Not like, didn't, Sonny and Cher just did it in like a hotel. I have no idea. Anyway. That's interesting. Well, they got married in Mexico in July of 1950. Um, and because Betty could no longer have children, because she was pretty old at this point. She had Beatty when she was 39. Oh, good so, for her. Yeah. That's like so different. Yeah. And it's her... Yeah, she had her naturally. It's her only, like... Biological, biological child. child. Mm-hmm. Um, they adopted two children. Margot, who was a troubled child, who they later discovered had brain damage at birth. Oh, no. And then Michael, the son Gary always wanted. Mm-hmm. And Betty doted on him. She was, like, a very, like, classic housewife-type mother. Like, okay. she, surprisingly. Like, she was very dedicated and devoted to her children. They even moved to Maine to raise them for, like, the first seven years of Michael's life. They lived in... I love Maine. Yeah. They had, like, a classic New England childhood. Because, nice. you know, she wanted that. And, uh, yeah, she was, like, a classic mom who cooked and cleaned and, like, read them stories. But the funny thing is, is that everyone always says, even Michael says this, that her career was number one. And mm. that even if she didn't know it herself, if, like, she would have dropped everything if the... Uh, the, the right role yeah, came. Yeah. yeah. And it was, like, her number one. That was he her was, number one Yeah, Michael passion. was, like, her number one was her career, and a close second was her family. Interesting. Yeah. But her career wasn't going anywhere. She was doing stage plays that flopped, and her health was deteriorating. And in 1960, after 10 years of marriage, she and Gary divorced. She made it work so, for 10 years, yeah. I guess. But then in 1962, something happened. What? Director Robert Aldrich called her up and was like, you're going to put some makeup on. And you're going to be in my movie, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yes. I got the chills when you just said it. <laughs> my thighs are tingling. People were saying that other actresses would have rather died than be in that movie looking like that. But Joan and Betty needed a vehicle to reignite their careers like both of them. Oh, did. hell yeah. Now, the two of them go way back. Oh, yes. Back to 1945, I'd say, when Betty didn't take the lead role in Mildred Pierce. Because she took a different role instead for a movie called The Corn is Green. It it isn't. Like, big mistake. (laughs) Corn with a C. (laughs) (laughs) And you know who took that Mildred Pierce part? Is it Joan Crawford? It's Joan Crawford. And you know what Joan did? Did she win an Oscar? She won an Oscar for it. Yes, she did. (laughs) You know, Betty was fucking She was like, I gave her that role. Yeah. (laughs) By the grace of me. There go you, Joan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Then two years later, in 1947, a movie called Possessed was set to be Betty's next project. It was a role Taylor made for Betty, but she was pregnant with with DB, with BD, sorry. BD Wong, I have to remember. Yeah. Um, But she was pregnant with BD and went on maternity leave. So Joan Crawford swooped in and played her role in Possession and was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress. Okay, so it seems like the the history here now leading up to whatever happened to Baby Jane mm-hmm. is just a series of steps where Joan is just like nipping Coming at her heels. Her. Yes. So Betty wanted to prove that she was better than Joan Crawford so badly. Right. And she was, and she had a juicier part, but it was so competitive on set. Oh my God. 
Apparently, Joan would knit all the time on set and like clack her little needles together and it would like, you know, everyone would, would kind of like get bothered by it. And one day she just like started crying while she was knitting. And Betty was like, what the hell's wrong with Joan? And Joan was like, you're taking everything away from me. And Betty was like, okay, then let's switch roles. And Joan was like, I can't play her. Uh, gotta. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> they both tried to sleep with the director in order to gain the advantage. No! Betty would stand next to the director while Joan was filming a scene, and when she finished the scene, Betty would lean to the director and go, is that the way she's going to do it? No! <laughs> this is the shadiest <laughs> yeah. bitch. Um, so yeah, the set was basically two like former heavyweight Hollywood movie stars trying to drive each other crazy. And doing everything they could to steal the movie from each other. <laughs> it's been described as two queen bees in one hive. Yes. That, yeah. Betty had the juicier role, so she ended up getting nominated for the Oscar. Mm -hmm. Joan didn't, but listen to what Joan did. Oh, my God. So Anne Bancroft was also nominated for The Miracle Worker. Oh, yes. Joan called up Anne Bancroft and was like, hey, if you win this Oscar, I'll accept it for you. And it's not really clear as to why, like, Anne Bancroft didn't go to the Oscars, but she didn't. And so um, what? She, at the Oscars, Anne Bancroft wins for the Miracle Over Worker. Over Betty. Over Betty. Uh -huh. And Joan Crawford goes up to accept this award. <gasps> and it's, like, insane. Oh, my God. And she's just like, I'm accepting this on the behalf of Anne Bancroft? Yeah. But how petty and conniving is that? It's, like, amazing. It's just, like so petty yeah. like you didn't lose and i'm gonna accept your loss yeah yep i mean you didn't win yeah you didn't win <laughs> so after baby jane betty was kind of like typecast as this character this terrifying like villain character mm -hmm. and she got like kind of bad roles in weird horror movies whatever she like invented camp like no I she can. did <laughs> she really did and she never really got out of that like niche i guess right which was extremely difficult for Betty because, if you recall, she's all in on the career. She has the range, baby. Yeah, and it's her number one. Yeah. Like, she wanted to still be doing, like, exactly what she was doing in her 20s, which was, like, right. making big Hollywood pictures and being the star. Yeah, and it's like, now that she's older and she's played this character. Yeah. Now she's going to be a crazy old lady all the time. Yep, and she's doing, like, weird horror movies, like yeah. I said, like, in the 80s. Uh, but when she was 50, kind of washed up, but still the optimist. How is 50 washed up? I can't. I mean, 50 yeah. is when I decided I might start wearing bikinis again. Hell yeah. Like, I can't. I hate everything. You know, it was back in the day. It was a different time. No. She ended up doing something so out of the ordinary and hilarious. This is like one of my favorite things I've ever... This is what I was giggling at yesterday. <laughs> she put an ad in the Hollywood Reporter looking for work. No! And let me read this ad to you. Yes. Mother of... I'm going to do it in her voice. Okay. Or like a, an old-timey voice. Okay. Mother of three, 10, 11, and 15, divorcee, American, 30 years experience as an actress in motion pictures, mobile, still, and more affable than rumor would have it, wants steady employment in Hollywood. More affable than rumor would have it is More my favorite thing. More affable than rumor would have it is going on a shirt. Yeah. Get, call the presses. Yep. More affable than rumor would have it. I love it. We're, I need a t-shirt with that. 
And just to reiterate too, divorce, period. American, period. More affable than rumor would have it. Yep. That is iconic. Wants steady employment in Hollywood. Yeah. People were shook by it. Did they know? Did she say Betty Davis? Like, like put her name on it? Yeah. What, what did they say? People just thought it was like crazy. Like. Not crazy. It's just like they, I mean, kind of how we feel about it right now. I mean, I think it's amazing. Yeah. But I bet they thought it was like thirsty. I don't think it was like necessarily thought of as thirsty, but maybe more desperate. I don't. But like, I don't think they frowned upon it that much. Yeah, because like. Hollywood is like that sick drug where like you're dead. Like as we're seeing like all these starlets sort of like go through. They're all like this. By the time they hit 40, 50, the Hollywood machine throws them away and they're friggin livid. Yeah. And then now they're like, oh, look at her. She's desperate. No, you're desperate. Mm -hmm. Like, how dare you? Like, you're a vampire and you keep feeding on young women and you suck. And like, they're going to come back and bite you. And I hope she bites them. I hope she bites them in the grave. That you're, you are being stopped from doing like something you actually enjoy doing and you're good at it because like you've aged out of it. No. Like, to what standards? And you know what's the bullshit of it all? It's a lie. Because the American people and the audiences didn't even like that other stuff. All the stuff that they liked her doing and why she was the highest paid, highest earning actress Mm -hmm. during her heyday was because she was playing real women. Yeah. She was trying, I mean, not as real as it was, as it is today. Like, you know, she's not farting around or whatever. Yeah. But like it is was the most authentic thing that people had seen. It was a more like three dimensional character. Yes. And that is what people want. Flawed. Flawed. And that's why baby like her, you know, what happened to baby Jane? Like that's so iconic is because it's just showing like mental illness yeah. and like all this. You know what I mean? Like what do they want from them? Like she's like literally like I'm going to now I'm I know even more now I'm able to even give you a more full bodied performance at this age. Mm-hmm. Like I'm um, look at the roles Meryl has done recently, too. You're just like you see, like as you get older, you get more knowledge, you get better at, at showing the truth. Like yeah. the fact that they were denying these seasoned actresses the performances that they could have easily done and like done really well. Like it's just like so messed up. It's so weird. Like it's so misogynistic. Are movies art or are they? Is it purely commercial? Right. Like what? Because like they are beautiful movies like from back then, but like all they were, all they cared about was making money. Yeah. Still, they were just cigarette ads. Seriously, they really were. You watch some of these older movies and like some of them truly were like absolutely beautiful, like filmmaking, like New Frontier, amazing. But at the end of the day, it didn't feel real. It wasn't mm-hmm. like real life. It was like this idea of like America. Is it because or, it was like World War II? Maybe. It was like propaganda, basically. Yeah. Propaganda. <laughs> and yeah, it, they really were all just like holding a cigarette and they're like, well, I'll miss you. And when you go off to the wall. Yeah. Oh, and you're just like, okay, like show me something real. Yeah. That's why in my household, we just watched The Bad Seed over and over again because <laughs> sociopathy is real. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I digress. I've even watched The Bad Seed at your house. You absolutely have. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love apricot juice. <laughs> it's like such a creepy movie. Who likes apricot juice? The The Bad Seed does. Yeah. Oh, uh, Betty, Betty said that when the ad came out, quote, it was quite a day in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so she continued to work and she had a Kim Carnes song wrote about her, written about her. Betty Davis. <laughs> I was waiting for it. 
1983, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and had a mastectomy. And then within two weeks of her surgery, she had four strokes. Oh, my God. And it caused paralysis on like her left side of her face and her arm. Yeah. <clears throat> you see that in the older interviews. With yeah. Her. Yeah. But even later in her life, she smoked about 100 cigarettes a day. I mean it. <coughs> I She was a cigarette woman. Yes, she was. I've seen a few interviews with her in my day, too. And that woman chain smokes the whole yes. time. During this time, her relationship with her daughter, BD, was deteriorating, mainly because she became a born-again Christian and tried to get Betty to follow her. Oh, absolutely not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, Betty's health stabilized, and she went to England to film an, an Agatha Christie film. And when she returned, she learned that her daughter had published a book called My Mother's Keeper, where she oh. talks about a difficult mother-daughter relationship that depicted scenes of Davis's overbearing and drunken behavior. It's sort of like um, Christina's, the answer to Christina's mommy dearest. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be a fair <clears throat> feud if both of the daughters of these two actresses didn't write That's a true. scathing novel That's about true. Them. That makes sense. Although most people did like refute it and yeah. say that she wasn't like that. What a bit. Her adopted son, Michael, went as far as to never speak to BD again. Oh, shit. And, she, and Betty disinherited her. No! What a stupid move on yeah. BD's part. Betty wrote a memoir called This and That in 1987. <laughs> and she did a lot of talk shows to promote it. <laughs> and you guys should go watch her talk show interviews from the 80s because she's so funny. She is scathing. Yeah. And she's extremely <laughs> frail. Like people are surprised at how skinny she but was. But she literally looks so fabulous. Like, yeah. No, she outfit. is dressed to the nines all the time. And she is so funny still. She's like, well, I didn't know anything about what he was yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah, no. It's so great. And she never gave up. Like, she was all about the integrity of the craft, and she really loved working and acting, and she really cared about it. And she basically worked up until the moment she died. In 1989, at age 81, Betty was the guest of honor at the San Sebastian Film Festival in Spain. And that was, like, technically work, was to, like, go and receive this award and, like, give out awards. And there's a video of her accepting and she's wearing this like incredible floor length gown with like long sleeves and it's like completely bedazzled. She's like dripping in diamonds and she has this like fur hat headband thing on. Yeah. And she's smoking a cigarette on stage. There's like smoke everywhere. And she just like holds her arms up and like kind of she has like a standing ovation and it's kind of like her last goodbye. It makes you want to cry. Yeah. And like I think she like knew that it was like her last. Yeah. Because she just loved like the stage and she loved the attention. Yeah. She, she loved being a star and an actress. And, like, that's pretty much the last thing she did. She was so sick that she couldn't make yeah. it back to the States. that they So they flew her to Paris, and yes. she died in a Paris hospital. Oh, my God. Which, I mean, she was, before she passed, she was like, I love Paris. So, you know, turns out, it was okay. Wow. Yeah. And you know what movie she was in right before, I think she, what year did she pass away? 89. 89. So in 80, I think... She was in Watcher in the Woods. Was she? Yes. She's like, the plays the mom, like the old lady whose daughter went missing. Yeah. And also famously, Kyle Richards is yes. in that movie. Yes, love this movie. And it was like a movie I watched when I was a little kid. And it was sort of like my starter first like mystery horror movie. Yeah. For like kid, little kids. It was like a step. Was it, sc- it was scarier than Are You Afraid of the Dark? 
it's it's isn't scary. It? It's scary. I think Every Fear of the Dark is scary sometimes. It was it's like spooky. Yeah. There's like rituals in it's it. It's kind of like witches level. It's witches, yeah. And like it's like, you know, there's like a ritual and like someone disappears to like yeah, another dimension. Occult. Yeah. And that for me at that age, I was super young. I was born in 85, so I was like renting this from like a little age. Yeah. And I my first you know, Betty Davis is this Betty Davis That's so who's funny. like, there's a watcher in the woods. Yeah. Isn't you know, her makeup crazy in that movie too. I mean, I mean, she just looks like, you know, I feel like they always put crazy makeup crazy. on her. Yeah. I mean, once she did that, they were like, you're going to do, do good to do with this. She's like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. She's so funny. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to kind of like go back and talk about what, like I said, was her relationship with her parents and kind of how that influenced her inability to have like a meaningful relationship with a man like throughout her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, her dad Harlow was an academic and he studied law at Harvard and became a patent lawyer, but he was never really interested in Betty and her and her sister. And he like never made them feel like remotely special at all. And he would say stuff like he would look at the sky with Betty, like the night sky and like see all the stars and be like, look at all those stars. Like, let that just remind you that you're absolutely meaningless. Like, <laughs> To, like, a little kid. Oh, my God. And she's like, well, I'll become the biggest star of them all. Like, basically, like, her entire life is, like, a reaction to... Isn't it crazy how much things that you say to someone before the age of, like, six, eight, six yeah. is just, like... I mean, he left when they when she was seven. So, like, yeah, it's, like, the first six years, you're just, like, reenacting trauma. Yeah. And then, like, after that, her mom... She went to boarding school and her mom, like, moved to New York with them. But her mom, like, really encouraged her a lot and supported her hard to the point where she kind of like ignored the younger the little sister barbara Ooh, okay so betty was kind of like a brat a little bit right like she was spoiled sure by her mommy so not like a brat but she was just like demanding you know she, what i mean she i mean yeah like she, what wanted she wanted what she wanted right she was a squeaky wheel yeah i also wanted to point out that she was married four times I mean who wasn't back then yeah i'm not no judgment people at all. did not have boyfriends and girlfriends they no got married the first husband was Harmon Oscar Nelson, whose derriere is the Oscar, Oscar. Right. And they called him Ham, which I love. Also, you know what? A couple of ham hocks on him. I love that. Yep. <laughs> Two Elliot Stablers. Oh, my God. Those Maloney's. God. Don't get me started on Maloney. Don't get me started on that gobble <laughs> He is a gobble <laughs> mm. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Their marriage was scrutinized by the press because it was, you know, back in the day. And she made so much more money than him. Yeah. He made $100 a week and she made $1,000 a week. So $100 a week back then was $1,784, which Uh is like, you know, pretty good. Decent. Uh, She made $1,000 a week, $17,841. Right, right, right. I mean, why? Making it rain. I just want to know why these guys are not like, cool i have a sugar mama right i'll be like nice even though to her, he could have just like enjoyed his me, riches right and like support her yeah he decided to be like a real little tiny man yeah and be like oh, my, my career isn't going well right. and then apparently he found evidence that she had an affair with howard hughes well like who didn't have an who affair did with he howard probably hughes. did ham classic ham give me a ham hughes sandwich <laughs> Cut in half, diagonally. <laughs> no crusts. <laughs> I can't gum them. <laughs> oh my god. I can't gum it. You know what? Put it in the blender. 
They didn't have a blender. It was like probably something that was like a slap chop. <laughs> it was a slap chop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they got divorced. Her second hun- husband, Arthur Farnsworth, collapsed while walking down the street in Hollywood in 19. 19- 1934. Oh, God. 1943, sorry. He collapsed? Yeah. He died two days later, and an autopsy revealed that his fall had been caused by a skull fracture he had two weeks earlier. So he had been hit in the head or Some fell? Hit him in the head. Or and, fell. Yeah, Betty testified before an inquest, <gasps> and she said that she had no idea what, like, of an event that would have caused that. What if he had, like, a fainting thing, like a syncope? Is that how you say it? And, like, he, uh... You know what it's called? What's that called? Syncope? Whatever it is. It's like when you have like a blood pressure loss and you faint. Okay. What if he fainted and then he hit his head and then, he you fainted know, again? it was like, you know, a concussion, maybe some, it was like a bad fall and then he d- fainted again and then like the combination of the hitting of his head, that killed him. Mystery solved. I solve all the mysteries now! Oh, case closed. In my language phase, I am a case closer. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about, by the way. Syncope. Yeah. It's yeah. something like that. That's like the name of like a fainting disease. I'm sure you're right. We'll see. Her next husband was BD's dad, William Grant Sherry, who was a masseur. Like a masseuse? Hold on one second. Syncope. Nice. Syncope. Please welcome to the stage. Syncope. <laughs> she faints. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> it's like a Wendy Williams faint. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he was a, a masseur. Which is also known as a male masseuse. Nice. What's the? What did they call a, a female massage therapist back then? A fucking whore? They, probably. <laughs> They're yeah. the worst. I hate them. Yeah. Like he's a masseur and she's a prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Betty liked him because he had never heard of her, and so he wasn't intimidated by her. He'd and never heard of her. Apparently, was he Meghan Markle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never, I never heard of you. No. Ever. Okay. I didn't even know about England. Our movie. What are movies? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. And finally, her fourth husband was Gary Merrill. We know all about. Yeah. So, like I said, yeah, she never really had like any meaningful, never like a relations. partner, like a true, yeah. Because like, if it wasn't for her trauma with her father, it was right. that her career was just number one. Let's just put it this way: her real partnership was with her craft. Yeah. It feels like she has something to prove also. Well, I mean, you kind of get why. Someone's like, you're nothing. And she's like, I'm I'm the star. Yeah. Um, Another priority of hers that maybe got in the way as well that doesn't get touched on as much as I would like. And this is like maybe my favorite quality about her is that she loved doggies. Oh, yes. And I think this really says a lot about her character. And I love like a hard bitch with a soft spot. Yeah. Especially when it's for doggies. Right. Sometimes you'll see it. A tough cigarette woman that like has a parakeet thing, and I love that too. Yeah, you know, um, comes to mind is like Judge Judy loves Shih Tzus. That's exactly what I mean. Right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So Betty's dog of choice was the incomparable Scottish Terrier. Oh wow! So, I also had Scotties. Yep. At one point, she even had four Scotties. Oh my gosh! What do they call? What do they call a group of Scotties? The murder. A murder of Scotty. <laughs> a shuffle? A shuffle. I think a shuffle. Yeah. A shuffle of Scotties. Yeah. Oh, I love them. There's nothing like a Scottish Terrier. They're very special. Yeah. And they look like a cartoon. They look like 
little caterpillars. They're caterpillars. They have the little bed skirt. They have such long faces. And the long face with the little the little ruffle at the end. Do you remember when we went to Kingston? Yeah. Which is like not that far from us. Mm-hmm. And there was this older lady and her husband and she had this like really perfect looking Scotty dog. Oh my God. And I maneuvered Molly in a way. This woman was not close to us. No. She was yards away yeah, from us. On a different street. Like It was in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, my Scotty dar went off. And yeah. I was like, Scotty, within distance. Right. What You know, the range is like 10 miles. That, what you hear is, is like some sort of like a Scottish fling. Yeah, it's like goes a... Like, <laughs> so a bagpipe starts to play. Yes. Uh-huh. And you're like, Nessie? I saw him. <laughs> Nessie. So we somehow managed to get close to this dog. And it like, I feel like it almost pulled this woman to her death. It was... <laughs> The, this a Scotty dog is a very strong dog. Uh, you don't realize that these dogs are like 50 pounds. They are sturdy. <laughs> yeah. It's like basically a big dog with little legs. Yeah. Because they would just like go into like, they were ratters. So they'd pull like all like the um, rodents out of places. With their little long faces. And they have like sturdy tails. You can pick them up by their They're the pure tail. muscle. They're pure mu- They're so rough. Like yeah. they're, they're so Pun cute. Intended. Oh my God. Rough. They're so cute. They have a Scottish accent. And you can't see their faces in pictures, which nope. is so funny. Oh, my God. I love them. We had a Bonnie and a Danny. It's not very original wow. sounding names, but they are perfectly Scottish. It is perfect. Yes. My Bonnie Lass and my well, Danny boy is Irish. You know what? The British Isles. Continue right. on. Sorry. So if we get a Scotty, would you name it like Uncle Bryn? Just to cover whales? To get well. To get whales. I'm going to call it Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they have Vanessa Shanessa Jenkins. Oh, that's great. Yeah. She had another dog named Tibby, and Tibby had her own director's chair at the Warner Brothers Tibby. Lot. Just so precious. That's a Scotty as well. Yeah. And uh, she would help care for homeless dogs. She was the president of the Tailwaggers Society of Southern California, and she threw a summer party in Hollywood to raise money for animal hospitals and training for guide dogs, and she like had a bunch of celebrities come and like raise a oh ton of money. Oh, my God. That is, like, just so cute. Also... It's like, it shows a softness to her. Yeah. I love it. Um, Also, she was, like, obsessed with astrology. She was obsessed with astrology. Yeah, she's, like, every time they interview her, she's like, I'm Betty Davis and I'm an Aries. Because I have to go first. Yeah. And then she, apparently, whenever she, like, interviewed, like, uh, people to help her, like, assistants, she always asked what their signs were. Yes. And that's, like, such an early adopter of, like, astrology, I feel like. Totally. I don't know. Is it one of those women's interests? Right. Stars. I'm in the drawing room. <laughs> drawing room. I'm drawing. <laughs> I'm in my decoupage chair. <laughs> what was it where we were? We were in Ireland looking at some old house, like a tour of like an old home. Uh-huh. And they were like, and this is where the women would, you know, make crafts and things. And I was like, they're in here just in a scrapbooking room. Yeah. It, women had she sheds since the dawn. Yep. Time. Just give a woman a craft, time craft crafts. room. Yeah. It's like the little lady doesn't need to trouble Keep her busy. with the library. Put her in the craft room. Right. There's no reading in the craft room. What do you think that women got up to in those craft rooms? Astrology. I, I, They're like, hi, yay, yay. Would it be funny if they were just like smoking bongs? <laughs> oh, I would love with like their tits out. <laughs> One tit. Yeah. <laughs> a witch's tit. <laughs> It's fan, like, in, fan in their downstairs. It's like when you, because they didn't have air conditioning. So like, it's like when you put like one leg out of the comforter to regulate your temperature, uh-huh. just pull one tit out. Yeah. I oh. think Marie Antoinette did that a bunch. I bet she did. I bet she, I bet she was an early adopter of the, the single tit. Yep. <laughs> it's got to be the left one for me. 
Yeah. I feel like that would be really regulated because it's like on the same side as the heart. So it's like the love tit. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> Alina, that was very interesting. Yeah, right. Thank, Thank you. you for that. That was good. She's just like such a character. These, I, lo- I, I, mean, I love women like this. You got if the, if these women are holding their own during that time, they must have something about them. Yeah. And just seeing how men would talk to them in like. Yeah award shows and like whatever it's so pan like belittling oh, pandering it's i know like condescending it's just awful that's why like when you see them walk around they're like okay and you can really see it in betty davis's face like how much she hates it i love that yeah <laughs> it could you see it in her um betty davis i don't even know the words like she's benopsious she's precocious and she knows just what it means well that reminds me of that show that we just watched called jan oh yeah jan arden you guys we just discovered the show it was on hulu i think called jan yeah and it's starring jan arden from insensitive fame insensitive to be and it's like a show about her with her in it at like as she is now right as like kind of a washed up like 90s like like one one hit hit wonder wonder. and it's pretty funny yeah and she's a lesbian i did not know she was a lesbian and i do i do love jan arden because that was one of my go-to karaoke songs and it goes into the um songs that no one wants me to sing and i'm just gonna do it no everyone wants you to sing that that's nice i sang it because i love it that's one of those songs that people forget about yeah and when you put it on and then all of a sudden everyone's like oh i really should have known by the (laughs) time you drove me home by the vagueness in your eyes the casual goodbye don't edit this by the chill in your room the expression on your face told me maybe you might have some advice to give on how to be in some it's, it's so- probably ancient history i'm one of the chosen few <laughs> don't edit this <laughs> oh, don't edit that <laughs> it's i can't stop singing it yeah it's such a good song and she's such a good singer i like didn't i've never listened to her other music but i think i'm gonna go back and there's some songs that you know there's some songs from that album that you know um and she still sings so well you guys like she she sings like little bits on the show she can really sing and play guitar so definitely watch jan that's like my would be like my icon of the week is jan arden nice making it happen and just coming back doing comedy showing back comedy through. Shots. I love that I love rediscovering you know she became famous during a time without social media and like I think one of her biggest things is she's got a really charming personality yeah she's obviously a great songwriter and a great singer but imagine if we had been able to kind of connect with her in that way she yeah. might have been like a way different she would have been like Phoebe star. Bridges is it Bridgers Phoebe Bridgers. Or Bridgers Bridgers that's like something I'm dyslexic about is, like, is it Bridges Phoebe Bridges Bridgers, Bridges. Guys, Bridgerton. We are 35. Can somebody explain <laughs> to me why the Duke from Bridgerton right. is not coming back? Like, what? They only got him for one season? I don't know. How get does it. that happen? I don't understand. So, apparently, season two Bridgerton is not going to be having the Duke in it. Did he, like, break a contract or what? I have no idea. There's rumors that he's, like, going to be James Bond or something. Oh, ooh, I would watch that. Um,. I guess, but like, where's my woman, James Bond? Yeah. yeah. They, they were setting us up for that lady. Yeah. 
in the I next mean, one that's coming out. I would love that, obviously. And she's black. Yeah, we uh, yes. Like, can we stay on that track, please? I don't need the Duke of Bridgerton to come and take James right. Bond. From a woman. I need him to go get that lady pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's what you took away from Bridgerton. <laughs> like, I watched... Do you guys ever watch shows with your partners? Um, and it's like... <laughs> It's a show that you want to watch, so they half watch it. So it's like a televisor phone or netting where they're like watching it, but they're also on their phone or they're like, I'll just go. No, I'll walk the dog. You don't you don't have to pause it. Yeah. Like that kind of watching. That's how we watched Bridgerton. I watched Bridgerton and Elena, you secondhand watched it. Yeah, I did. And then there's shows like that for me that you watch and I secondhand watch. Like what? Something that comes to mind is like when you watch MTV's The Challenge. Oh, I like haven't watched that in so long, though. There's like certain, it's a lot of MTV shows that I secondhand watch. Oh, Siesta Key. Siesta Key, I secondhand watch. Although last season I firsthand watched it because what else was I doing? God, Siesta Key is such a sleeper show. It's so good. It's really, really good. It's really infuriating. Yeah, it's the worst. And you, all of the girls look the same. So I have no idea what anyone's saying. They're all named Madison. I don't know. With like three S's. They're like, Madison's mad at Madison and I'm mad at Madison because Madison's love with Madison. Yeah. Because like there's also a guy named Madison. (laughs) So I have no idea what's going on. And then one of them is dating the producer who's like 30 years older than her. And it's incredibly predatory and very uncomfortable for everyone. So like these people in in the show are like, you're dating the production manager guy. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. He's like a producer or whatever. He's the producer. Yeah, it's unacceptable. That is predatory as farks. Do you have um an icon of the week? I I kind of just like scooped up. What if Jan was my icon of the week? You know what? I think we can both do it. No, but she, I mean, okay. <laughs> cool. You know what? I would like to have as another icon of the week. Hmm. Tofu. <gasps> I had a lot oh. of tofu this week, and like I oh. always get stuff with tofu in it, but I never really like make it myself. I love it. Do you know what's so funny about Jocelyn is like she'll discover tofu. Mm-hmm. Like we'll get tofu and we'll have it in, like one meal. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go on Amazon and all of your recently looked at items are like tofu presses, <laughs> like every tofu press on Amazon. Yep. So when I d- get into something, I double down. Yeah, on it. you do. I think it's interesting because even if I don't take it on for long term, it's something that I tried and I learned about it. Mm-hmm. I did a de- anything that I like. I do a deep dive on. That's true. So right now I'm, I'm totally it. here for it. I like tofu a lot. I literally got into bed last night and Jillian was like, what were you doing down there? Because I was in the kitchen for like a while. And I was like, I had to press the tofu overnight. <laughs> and she was like, can we get married again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so delicious. Yeah, it is. And you can do so much with it. Totally. You know who could have told me this? Clarissa Darling's mother in the 90s. Oh, my God. She put tofu in everything. She was... The original vegetarian. She's the original vegetarian. She didn't shut up about it. No. I forget. I don't remember what her name was. I know we have Ferguson Darling, Clarissa Darling. I don't know if they had names. The yeah, mom they and did. Dad. They did, right? It's yeah. going to be like, Susan. I'm Cheryl Darling. Susan. Her dad is Marshall, I remember. Marshall. Okay, Marshall. Hold on, let me see what the mom's name is. Claire. Janet. Janet. Jan. Jan Arden. Janet. Jan. 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 on that note thank you for listening to this episode uh the 10th episode is it it's our 10th episode wow of the candle cover podcast 
As always, much love to the Candle Coven. We love you all. Bye-bye, Candle Coven. Love you.